What up, everybody? It's your boy, the mayor, the Ace Five, and welcome back to the newest episode of Wrestling is Trash, that nonsensical podcast where we explore the world of professional wrestling by way of the WWE, AEW, New Japan, maybe Impact, maybe your mama's bedroom. Who knows? But wherever down on the mat, we're going to discuss it here. What territories we have fun joining me as always? My shock master, aka two tons of fun, aka what was the other one? Fat boy's name, the disco two. My brother Luke, the BX, was good with you. Jumping up about the wrestling talk, get into what's good and all that happy good shit. And joining us, Wrestling is Trash alum, one of three from the UWO podcast. Brian, what's good with you, good brother? Not much, not much. Uh, same old shit, new day, ready to talk some good old-fashioned wrestling. Oh, is we we <laughs> definitely deep digging down deeps into the wrestling part of the world, but in the professional wrestling landscape of things. We just got off of Forbidden Door, and my genius ass didn't get to see it yet. You know, shout outs to all the websites out there, and thank you for all the fucking pop up after pop up after pop up that just oh, made me say, "Fuck it, I'm not watching this right now." We we, we not we not supposed to. I know I didn't give them out. I didn't give them out. We ain't supposed to cop to that. We don't do that. I didn't give out no websites because you know what? I mean, this could have. This could have been Fight TV giving me problems. Who knows? <laughs> this could have been Bleacher Report giving me problems. Who knows? I don't know. Which, All which I know is my ass didn't get to see it. Exactly. But, Lou, let's start with you because you was at the closest thing to being there, which was in the theaters. Yeah, Cobb Theaters in my area always seems to host wrestling pay-per-views. They actually... Um, I think WWE's caught on to that because they have WrestleMania also at the theaters, which kind of doesn't make sense to me because I'm paying $9.99 and I already have it. So why would I pay more to go somewhere to watch it when I already have it at the house? But I guess they wanted to get into the game. I'm sure there's some people who took advantage of that. But um, AEW pay-per-views usually uh, every single one for the last two years has been shown at the uh the local theater by my house. So I was able to go to this one and uh, it was a good time as usual. You end up, the theater's always full and it's full of uh, high strung wrestling fans wanting to see their shit. And uh, it's always a good time, man. It's never any problems. Everybody's cool. I always end up sitting next to two people and they become my new best friends for fucking four hours, which is cool. Um, great time. Just a great time, man. Nice and comfortable in the AC, big ass screen. I mean, it's I, I'm gonna do it every time if I can. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Now, Brian, I'm sure you watch from the comforts of your own home. Uh, I did. Surprisingly, uh, the websites, as you would say, were giving me issues as well. So um, I actually this is kind of crazy, but I went on my fire stick and I have an app on there that allows me to watch TV from all over the world, and I can watch channels from like everywhere. And on, like, the Japanese stations, they actually had a New Japan channel. And I was watching the pre-show on YouTube, and they were talking about that the pay-per-view is going to be streamed on New Japan World. So I decided, I'm like, you know what, let me go check in my room. I go in my room, I go on the app, I go to the New Japan channel, 
boom, pay-per-views right there in English. So I actually sat there, watched wow. it on a nice flat screen, and watched it in English from Japan Yo, in America. Real quick, real quick before you keep going, I gotta now check if I still have my subscription because I didn't think about that at all. Holy shit. If- if you got the subscription, it, they, the pay per view was in English, so they aired it in English with uh, Kevin. How, Kelly how much them. is that? How much is that? Um, subscription. It's it's the same thing. Nine ninety nine a month. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. you gotta remember. You gotta remember when you go to the website, scroll to the Translated. bottom. I think it's usually on top, and click that English because when I first was on the New Japan site, and I'm like, yeah, I can't read any of this, but I know these yeah. pictures. Let me just start clicking pictures. <laughs> So, but yeah, oh, it was a but it was a it was a clean experience. And Lou, I'm not gonna lie, I've I've always heard about uh, AEW doing the theater thing. I haven't found a theater up here in Rhode Island that does that. But based on what you just told me, it does sound like a really good time. So if the opportunity ever comes, I'm definitely gonna try that for one of the AEW pay per views. Yeah, I think it's the um the Cobb Theater chains. I don't think a, a AMC does it or Regal. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm not Cobb. Why do I keep saying Cobb, bro? It's Cinemark, Cinemark, Cinemark. theaters. Okay. So, you know, I don't know exactly where they are all over the U.S. or whatever, but we got one here. It's pretty big, um, and they always have it. It's always dope. It's always fun. All right. I'll keep a lookout for it. Yeah, I need to check for them, too, because I, I, I want to eventually try that shit, too, man. And all I, all I know is because I, I am not the indie show goer, but I am fully aware of the deodorant issue. So I would, <laughs> so I would bring... I, you know what? You know what I would do, actually? It sounds like a good... No, I'm not going to do it. But it sounds like a good hustle. Bring back the bathroom guy. Bring a, bring I, a goodie bag. <laughs> Start bringing goodie bags. I just see... Shout-outs to Philly Cigar Week and, and Kavanaugh's uh, River Deck. Uh, we, there was a party there. And in the bathroom there, I, it was the first time I seen it in at least a decade or two. The cologne man in the bathroom. They had the cologne, the gum, all the smell goods, all that shit right in the bathroom. You spray yourself up. You better leave a tip. But I think wrestling shows need the deodorant man. All high quality sprays from Old Spice to Axe to to Secret (laughs) to Dove. All of them. I I think wrestling shows need that. I was gonna say maybe a wrestling like an independent wrestling company could get sponsored by like an axe or you know what I'm saying like how Red Bull be all over the place you know maybe it's time for the deodorant game to step in there. I mean, sounds, I don't know, hell, I, even Power Stick it's sounds, sounds good. I haven't gone to a lot of indie shows. I think the last two live shows that I went to was the NXT show and the Impact show that I went to, and thank God that I was there with some regular ass humans. Everybody was, I mean, there was like hot chicks at the impact show. Everybody looked like they actually, and and again, I am in Florida, so it might be a little different. You know, this is party fucking city or whatever. So everybody's always, you know, showing out and dressed to the nine. So I ain't run into no stinky motherfuckers, man. But listen, if you are watching this and you go to any of these shows, please understand that you are not only representing yourself, but you are representing the entire wrestling community. So put on some motherfucking deodorant. It's a dollar. You go to the dollar store and get the bar. I don't care if you rub half of that fucking bar on your armpit. Do it. It's a dollar. Even at, least five if it's strokes. That, at least five strokes. Even if it's that nasty ass rollerball deodorant that just says 
stick. <laughs> like, about, man, you bring back the brute. I, the brute, old man brute. All of them. I'd shits, rather man. smell that than your funky ass body odor. Mm-hmm. Right. See now, thinking about that being the cologne man in the bathroom, I gotta get. I have to find old school shit like jupe, high karate shit like that. Stetson or the yes. you, every. I think everybody's father had it. The Pierre Cardin with the silver ball top and the red stripe through the middle. Yep. <laughs> that and the old, the old white old spice bottle with the little gray. Tip oh yeah, yo. Out. Oh yeah. I I. I know I pulled one of those out of my old room a couple years ago. The bottle was <laughs> bottle might have been empty, but at least I mean, yeah, at you, least the aftershave bottle. Yeah, yeah. After, you know what I'm saying that. aftershave or something. I mean, if you can't get deodorant, at least go in your dad's room and grab that fucking Dracard Noir from 1985 and spray right. some of that shit on your armpits, bro. Fucking Aqua Velva, something. Some cool water. But hey, hey, cool water <laughs> always works. Mm-hmm. What I said, I think Juke might be the best because, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> back <nasty> to <laughs> back to Forbidden Door. I need y'all to run the card for me, and and just 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 talk about it. Let let the people know how y'all felt about it. I mean, the things that I've heard, things that I've seen via TikTok. This is possibly a lot of people were giving this an A show. It sounded like an A plus type show, even with all the injuries that happened. They still put on bangers. Um, I heard. Well, actually, I seen because of clips. I I could say I probably see most of the match, and I'll just skip right to it. Everybody has been saying match of the night was Osprey Cassidy, and a lot of people doubted Cassidy, but I I got Cassidy as soon as I seen him in AEW. Then I went back digging and watched some of his indie shit. I knew that kid could go. Will Osprey? The more I've watched on him and seen him grow, the kid is like master level at like mid twenties. But match of the night, it definitely looked like that should have been match of the night from from everybody's standpoint. I mean, honestly, you know, going into this show again, I'm not the biggest New Japan guy. I've I've said that many times. I'm familiar with like Osprey, Zack Saber. Okada, like the big names, I've heard of them before, and I've I've seen you know, Bullet Club videos and stuff like that, and I familiarize myself with a lot of the storylines. But I don't watch New Japan like that, so I don't know like all these dudes. But even with that, I was still um, pretty happy to go watch this pay per view, and I was excited to see it because I wanted to learn more about them. And then when the injuries started piling up, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna go to this thing. I'm going to the theater. It's twenty five bucks. I'm just going to go and I'm going to enjoy it. If it's good, it's good. If it sucks, it sucks, whatever. But I'm just going to open my mind and go see it. And I got to tell you, this show, and I know I've seen this rhetoric online, um, this was my favorite pay-per-view of the year so far. It was, I, so the last pay-per-view that I went to was the, um, was it? It wasn't all out, was it? Or it was full gear that we just had? Did we just have a full gear? Double or nothing. Oh, we just had double or nothing, right? So, of course, we went over that show and we talked about it. You know, the Jade match wasn't great. There was a couple matches on there we felt like could have been left off, but overall the show was fantastic. You know, I mean, relatively speaking, this show, from from that um, Keith Lee and Swerve match till the end of the show, there was no lulls. There was no, like... 
all this match, yeah, this match, all right, can this match end already? There was none of that shit. Every match had me engaged, and every match I found very, very highly entertaining, and I was super invested in every single one of these matches. The time for me flew by. Like, I know it was uh, it was like a four-and-a-half-hour show. For me, it flew by, and uh, I just... I really, really, really want to watch this show again. I'm definitely going to look into that New Japan thing as soon as we're... I Literally, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go look into that shit. Because if I could pay $10 and watch it now, I will do that. All right. Uh, for me, uh, for me, it's like a come full circle moment. And uh, anybody who uh, knows me from the UWO podcast, uh, we this is going to be like four years for us coming up in August. And when we first started, before AEW was even like an idea i've always said i'm like i would love to see because i'm as a roh guy as well i would love to see new japan work with a major company in america at that time being wwe because i always said i'm like i would love to see the crossover of you know two companies working together and putting on what we all know would be a banger of a wrestling show and when aew developed i always said i'm like look this is the guy like who's a diehard fan, a young guy, a billionaire, a quote unquote money mark, however people want to look at him as. And I'm like, this is a guy who knows what he's doing. I've always said, I'm like, AEW could sell out a stadium with what they actually tried to put on this past Sunday. And I've been saying that for years now. So for this to actually come into fruition and was like, for me as a wrestling fan, it was like a dream come true. And to echo what Lou just said, personally, this was the show of the year for me. And Dan, from what you said earlier, yes, I, we're going to go into more detail about about Orange Cassidy and um, and uh, Will Ospreay was the match of the night. But as a fan, it was just like the perfect storm, the right place, the right time, even though they did lose bodies on the AEW side. And unfortunately, New Japan lost uh, one person with uh, Takahashi not being able to come. It was just like... And Your, Ishii. Yeah, and Ishii too, um, from him getting sick. Or was he sick or injured? I, I don't even remember. I, I think, think Ishii, was sick. I think Ishii, Ishii, got, Ishii got a fever, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. All right, because I know Takahashi got a fever too. So. Um, but, oh, but, okay. okay. But, I, might be, I might be confused on the two guys. I know one of them caught a fever for sure. Okay. But, but you get what I'm saying. Like, for me, it was just like that as a fan, it was like one of those once-in-a-lifetime moments that you dream about, you never thought you'd actually be able to see, and then to see it and live up to those expectations where, like Lou just said, as someone who doesn't watch New Japan, now he wants to go, as soon as we're done, go and get a subscription to go watch these things. It's like my theories about what this could have been is being proven to me, like, right before my very eyes, and I'm just like, as a fan, I'm like, holy shit, they actually pulled it off. Like, they pulled it off, and they pulled it off damn well. And see, I I won't Wanted to go right into, like I said, what was what everybody deemed was the match of the night. I wanted to hear y'all opinions on that. But to what you just said there is to what I said on top just last week, or I think maybe two weeks ago, where a lot of people out there were making, and you've seen it, Brian, all the complaints. AEW did a terrible job at letting us know who these people are and yada, yada, yada. I equated those to the people that I call the hip-hop lazies. Those people who oh, hip-hop rap ain't the same because they're not giving me what I want to hear on the radio, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You have to go digging. You got to bring back the essence of this shit and you have to dig. 
And yes. as I described is the point of cross promoting in uh, uh, events like this is for you to go look at the other side. You're cross promoting yes. to bring more eyes to both people. This is why the starting five podcast the Everything Podcast and the UWO Podcast is here because mm -hmm. we want y'all to go listen to all of our shows on top of this one combined here. It's the reason for cross-promoting, to yes. enlighten y'all, to make y'all want to go out and seek this other stuff. But a lot of y'all clearly told me personally, from my own opinion, that no, I need it when I want it. I mean, I need what you're going to give me and I'm going to take everything you give me without researching out there any further. Like it, it, I love the game, the, the sport of professional wrestling. I'm loving wrestle talk right now, but it does get annoying when you start to see some of these people who just stick to WWE. Yeah. I mean, one now I get it. It's what you grew up on perfectly fine. But don't tell me you love professional wrestling when you're with a you're listening to a company and you're watching a company who doesn't call themselves a wrestling company anymore. Mm -hmm. They're in the business of sports entertainment by way of professional wrestling. Okay, so you can't stick there and say you are a lover of professional wrestling and then find ways to shit on this, shit on what Tony Khan is not doing, what you think he's not doing when. Again, you have to want to do the work. You have to want to go see it. You said we haven't seen something like this before. Once again, TikTok beautifully reminded me, and I and I happen to remember it. Nineteen ninety-five, WCW okay. versus New Japan. Yes, we. Well, I, and, I meant I meant more towards the modern day era. That's oh, absolutely absolutely because said WWE universe is its own thing. Yeah, and you, that's, you talk, and, you're talking you're talking about like 30 years ago that shit happened. So yeah. right, and most of these people weren't even born then. Let's keep yeah. it real. You know what I'm saying? But it's okay. Like I said, I'm not shitting on, even though I, I did express my whatever's like what you like, love what you love, but yeah. don't gripe about something that you're not familiar with. If you say you love this, put a little legwork in. And I'm glad oh. I'm glad you went down that road because for me, you know, I, 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 Brian, I don't know how much you're on Twitter. I'm, I'm a Twitter guy. Dan, I know, is a, against Twitter, so he probably don't see a lot of this. But, bro, uh, there's a reason there's why so, I look at Twitter. And yeah, there's so many. Fucking, oh, yeah, once a week on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, there's so many people on Twitter who like and it, and it bugs me because, you know, we're, we're, we're all older gentlemen, so. When when the internet started popping, I got a little excited because as a fan of like geeky shit and wrestling and like you know all these things, I thought I'd be able to find like-minded people who like the same shit I liked and be able to, you know what I'm saying? Like you wanna you wanna kind of like get with people who like the same shit you like and talk about it. And it just as as the years have gone by, man, the way that the internet is so easily accessible now, it just becomes a cesspool. People they get they do this tribal shit on in everything and, and not even just wrestling and everything in life yeah. and politics and everything it's all tribalism and it's like i like my thing and everything else is fucking trash and i don't like it but i'm gonna go to it anyway and talk trash in the comments about it all day so for me it's like 
I'm looking at the results of the pay-per-view and people are talking about like, oh, the pay-per-view numbers are not that great. Yeah, EC, uh, AEW's in the mud, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fam, at first I used to fight with these people, but I'm just like, now I feel bad for them, bro, because as a wrestling fan of over like almost 35 years, bro, if you can't enjoy some of these things that AEW's doing, like, I honestly, I feel bad for you. I really do. Because I'm still a WWE fan. I still watch the product. I still watch the pay-per-views. I hope one day they come back to their former glory, you know. But I watch the alternatives. And when I watch Dynamite, like, I'm just, not everything is fantastic. It's not. I'm not sitting here and saying it's all wonderful. But I enjoy it. And I enjoy, for the most part, WWE. And I enjoy Impact. And I enjoy everything. And it's just like, you don't have to like everything. But, like, if you don't like AEW or, or New Japan, you don't got to watch, bro. And you ain't got to be in the comments talking all kind of shit about it sucks, it's this and that, because it, you're, you're making an ass out of yourself. We you really are. Plain 100%, 100% agree. And I always use the Dave Chappelle quote from the Real World episode. You know, you do reserve the right to shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> if you don't like something, don't say it. Like... It, like to me, it always baffles me. Like I, like I'll admit, I wasn't watching SmackDown for a while, and it's not because I don't like what they're doing on SmackDown. It's just right now for me, it's like I don't feel like investing my time. It doesn't mean I'm hating on the WWE. It doesn't mean I don't like the WWE. It just means right now, I'd rather be you know with my woman or knocking someone out in UFC or playing Call of Duty with the crew. Fall Guys just became free. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's concerts coming. There's other shows coming. There's other things I'd rather do than watch SmackDown right now. It's a you know Friday I mean? night, period. period. Like, <laughs> I, I got shit I want to do. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't mean that I dislike the product. Like, I'll be honest right now. I got NXT on my TV right now. I don't even personally care for the show. But I watch it because I still support it. But I'm not going to crap on it every chance I get. And to me, I think those people who are always in the comments are always the ones that want to be first to say something. Because, like, what bothers me about, like, social media when it comes to, like, you know, like Dan will tell you TikTok and Lou will probably tell you with Twitter. Because I, I do go on Twitter. I, I scroll through. But I don't need to reply to some shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? If someone's having a good day, good for them. If someone feels bad about something, it is what it is. Like, there's a topic that we never really touched on the show was the whole situation with – um with uh what's his name uh nash carter who was in wwe and kimberly right. it's like everyone got something to say about kimberly everybody got something to say about nash carter it's like you know i like with all due respect that's their issue whatever goes on between them i don't i don't need to comment about it i don't we know don't, them i don't know them and we don't need to put it on our show because either a it's not that important and b it's personal like shit like stuff like that i don't give a damn you know what i'm saying like I could talk about Nikita Lyons being on my television right damn now, which looks very oh, damn she's good. back? Yeah, yeah, she's back. Oh, she, she's she looking good as hell. And then they, the don't worry, they just switched it to jacket time. You don't want to see it. But overall, <laughs> like, but but you get what I'm saying. It's like, like even Dan, like you, you sent me a TikTok for me to stitch. I haven't done it yet, but if you want me to shoot on it right now, I can shoot on it right now. But when it comes to wrestling TikTok and Twitter, I don't need to do it. If we're promoting stuff. Yeah, I'll promote it all day long. Like now I have the ability to download our episodes and I can start making TikToks about it, but it's more to promote the show, not just to give my opinion. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But nah, wrestle like, talk is fun. Wrestle talk is fun, is fun times. because a lot a lot of people do the stitch. Like I just I just replied to a few stitch this uh type videos, which one was like uh 
which version of Seth Rollins do you like? I, I literally and, just saw that and I a thousand percent agree with you. But but you but y'all but y'all both know my history with Neck Rollins. Yes. And I, you know, and it gave me the opportunity to let the world know. I just did one uh uh I forgot to do oh light skinned gaijin. Shout outs to him. Kid, good kid, follow him if you can. Um he did one about he's been doing ones about titles, and one he did was about uh women's titles. And I said my favorite the SmackDown one, the SmackDown women's, because unlike most people, I actually like that big almost home plate style look almost looks like the, the, the top of a ring type of looking belt. Mm. And I, and I like the color blue, you know? So, and, but then I said the worst, least favorite, the NWA women's one, because it's like this big. That's like a straight up toy, bro. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, you know, I, I like wrestle talk for that, but then there's, there's just the the people who respond to like the hater comments and things like that, just like mm-hmm. Twitter, just like all these other places. Like people who spend more time hating than liking is is a, that's what's annoying on the internet. You know how easy it is to just go keep scrolling, mm-hmm. keep scrolling, keep scrolling. But I don't want to keep scrolling past Forbidden Door because we keep talking about everything but <laughs> Forbidden Door. So let's, let's finally get, get a damn card. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, <laughs> that was good. Let's, oh, we got cue cards now. Thanks, Lou. Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, and uh, you mentioned Twitter. I just had to throw out that bird seed oil, but then we're gonna keep it moving. <laughs> Lou, we'll tell you about that one when we're done recording now, Brian. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, let's start. At, actually, you know what? Instead of I tried to start at the what was perceived as the match of the night. We're gonna start with the women's match, the the Thunder Rosa Tony Storm. What looked like again for me, I only seen pieces. It looked like it was a great match, but the thing that annoyed me the most, which again we're talking to wrestling fans, if you're saying that the women's product is this, that, and the third, whatever the case may be, I seen the videos of people leaving their seats at the arena when that match was on. But Lou, you're a Thunder Rosa girl, just like I am. I heard it was, I, and the clips I seen, it would look like a good match, look like a great match. Yeah, the match was great. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I enjoyed it. There were a couple people in the theater who got up during that match. I think that's like some type of weird reflex. Like it's, oh, it's a women's match. Yeah, you know, and I think for the most part, everyone was like on the same page that they knew Thunder was going to retain. So they kind of got up like right at the beginning so they can make it back in time for whatever. I'm one of these people that um, I don't get up in the theater. Like I don't, I never understood that. Um, I mean, again, I know there's some people who have some bladder issues. Maybe they really can't hold it like other people can. But bro, when I get to the theater, there's, <laughs> I get to the theater and I get the large popcorn and the large drink. And that large popcorn is like this fucking big. The large drink is, is humongous. Um, and I drink that whole shit and eat that whole shit with my fat ass self. And I don't get up once. Now I get up when the show's over. So, cause I don't want to miss anything, but that's just me. So I, I, you know, I know everybody's different, but there were a couple people who got up. It wasn't a lot. It was maybe like two or three people who got up during that match. But, um, and there was another, uh, another couple matches where it happened here and there, which is expected. You can't expect everybody to be sitting there for four and a half hours. You know, it's just, it's not going to happen, but the match for me, I thought it was great. 
Um, I think Tony Storm, I think this was actually Thunder's, one of her better matches this year. Um, I think she works really well with Tony Storm. I think Tony Storm is great. Um, like, also, like, I don't think she works well with, uh, let's say, a Marina Shafir. Uh, even though I like Marina Shafir, but it's <laughs> obvious that the two of them, yeah, it's obviously the two of them didn't really work too well together in the match. But I thought the match was great. It, again, like I said earlier, bro, every match on this card was fucking excellent to me. So, yeah. And I, Brian, I just... and Brian, the approach that Thunder Rosa has, I, I, as I've noticed the past few matches, including this one, where it's almost like at the end of the match, she's shaking hands, like showing respect. It's, it's almost like they're displaying her more as the fighter version of Thunder Rosa. Not really say MMA per se, but they we all know she does MMA and post match usually unless you have true beef, it's dap it up and keep moving because it doesn't seem like there's a true rival for her yet outside of what she did with uh with um what's her name with uh with Britt Baker but yeah I, I like the way that the match ended with the handshake and the respect in the middle of the ring and all that I did see all that. Oh, I, I personally, I love that from uh, Thunder Rosa because, like you, like literally, like you just said, there there really isn't a storyline for her right now, and you know, her giving respect to me has always been a way of putting the next person over. Even though you're getting the win, they're getting the rub. Um, for me, the match was the match was great. Like I have no real problems with the match. The only, and this is me being the podcaster, overthinking shit. The only thing for me that bothered me, and I think this may also answer the question of why people were getting up during that match, is the fact that it was a straight-up AEW match. It wasn't a forbidden door. When, you know, your your entire pay-per-view is based on the fact that it's AEW versus New Japan or AEW and New Japan, like, intertwining at all times, uh, it felt like, the like, to me, the match didn't need to be on that show. I, am I happy that it was there? Yeah. Was it a good match? Yeah. Um but at the same time, it just felt out of place for me on this card. Uh, like for me personally, if, if that was up to me, I would have saved it for Dynamite because you're getting blood and guts already. Why not throw a women's title match to open up the show to get the crowd going? Like that that would be my only thing about it. But overall, it was good. And I agree, uh, this was definitely Thunder's best match of this year. I see now, but I got why it was on this pay-per-view. Because the women need to be represented. And once yeah. again, wrestling fans who complain, oh, the women don't get spotlighted. The women, yes, here you go. Mm-hmm. What better of a stage? And it shows the New Japan officials who, to my understanding, they're just starting a develop a working relationship with, I believe, stardom. Yeah, as a matter with, of fact, um, one of the girls from stardom was supposed to come over for this show. But they actually had an event in Japan, like a big, like cage, like yeah. like all cage match type thing. So unfortunately, right, right. none of the girls could have came. But I heard that like Kyrie's name was thrown around. Uh, the girl who's the champion, I can't remember her name. It's like Uma uh, Umi Kasamura, something like that. Like the girl who was like number three in the PWI from this year. Like she was supposed to be one of the people that was supposed to be brought up for Rosa. But unfortunately, it fell through because of the pay per view. So I felt like. You know, maybe they just kept her and Tony on there just to have the match. Um, her being number one contender already kind of surprised me based on the fact that she was eliminated early in the tournament. But, you know, it's it's AEW. They can, they can finagle it, and it'll still seem credible. Right. right. Well, I, you know what? I, I guess that has to do with this year's match record. You yeah. know, maybe. But, but um, 
But yeah, like I said, I, I have no problem with this being on there because they need to display the women. And why not display your women's champion? Yeah. Plain and simple. And and again, this is technically AEW being the host. Mm-hmm. So you gotta get one in. I would yeah. expect the same in Japan, whether it's a man, whether it's men or women. Oh, yeah. There would be one playing New Japan or you know, or New Japan versus Noah type match, something like that. You know what I'm saying? Which we'll talk about another super card later, which hopefully we can now that we got this, maybe we can get a AEW Noah New Japan impact. Like maybe CMLL can get off their shit and you know what I'm saying? Like Tony Tony, Tony did say there is gonna be a part two. Yeah, yeah, well, there's, already, there's already there's already, there's already kind of talks that it's gonna be in Japan, so that would be fucking dope. Mm-hmm. That would be phenomenal. And you mentioned money before the fan complaining. He made him it was a million dollar gate, five million dollar pay-per-view buy. I'd say pretty damn good for yeah. a first yeah. time out in since like you said in 30 plus years. Now, but, those um, people saying that it was a bust, they're gonna have to hear that Tony Khan. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> <Coked> <laughs> up Tony. Exactly, exactly. Uh we, yeah, we'll talk about him at the end of this. But uh next one I'll run to. Uh, the Jericho Minoru Sammy versus Kingston Yuta this match was fucking great man I honestly I I was wondering I was like oh Jericho's starting the show holy shit you know because you figure someone else would have started out but my god Eddie Kingston man Eddie Kingston is the fucking greatest bro I really you know I'm I'm almost a little ashamed of myself that I didn't and I'll keep it a buck I didn't know anything about Eddie Kingston until he walked out on Dynamite that one day to challenge Cody Rhodes for that fucking TNT title. That was the first I've ever seen of Eddie Kingston. I might have seen him in uh, in Impact when he was doing LAX stuff, but it it, it just completely went over my head because I hadn't. Hey, he was the ROH him. guy. Yeah, ROH. I, well, he was more Chikara than ROH, yeah, but he, went, he never did do fucking. ROH. I really know knew nothing of him, and that dude for me is like. Is he the best worker? No. Is he, you know, the most in-shape guy? No. But my God, that fucking guy commands, he commands presence when he's out there, either through his promo or his goddamn, what he's doing in the ring with his silly ass machine gun chops that look ridiculous, but it still manages to get over somehow. Him and Minoru Suzuki, every time that they got in the ring together, it was just like, Everybody in the theater was, we were just like, oh shit, oh my god, what the fuck is going on? Like, that match for me was superbly entertaining, man. I was completely and utterly, and I think that's the point, obviously, with, yeah. uh, you know, Jericho involved. It was meant to be entertaining, that's what it was. That's what I liked about this show, actually. All the matches had a different, like, flavor to it. Well, uh, for and me, I. Not to, I pitch per- you, not to pitch you off, Lou. That's. I was going to say, not to piss you off, Lou, but I did see a commenter say, I don't get it with Eddie Kingston. I don't see how anybody could think he's a star. If you think he's a star, you're on crack. And I immediately wow. thought of you, and I was going to go off on this dude, but I was, I just let it go. Yeah, you know what, man? Everybody has their opinion. It might be a New York thing. I might just love Eddie just because of that. He's got that New York flavor to him and shit. That just adds to it for me. I don't know if I see a little of myself in that guy. 
it could be a little bit of that. I understand people that don't like him. I I get it because dude gets blown up in 30 seconds. <laughs> like he's already huffing and puffing after 30 seconds. Like I said, he's not the most technical guy and shit. But bro, he just for me, when he talks, I listen, bro. And and I yeah. just I fucking love him. When you reminded me, first time I seen him, Brian was NWA. When NWA like really first came back, like yep. that was the first time I seen Eddie. Uh, I, I've I've been following Kingston's career since like 2007, like with the old Chikara thing. That's why wow. later on we'll get to the, the whole situation with him and Claudio. It'll be really interesting. But um, King King is fucking goaded in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? I'm from the Northeast. I'm not from New York, but you know the Northeast. We have our own like slang and perception in the, in the rest of the country and stuff like that. Right. So a guy like Eddie Kingston to me, it's like yo, it's the hood dude from NY. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the chill dude from the block. You know what I'm saying? I've always had love for Kingston. Last of the dying breed. I seen him and Kevin Owens in a main event pay-per-view here in Providence for Ring of Honor. Um, King has always been gold, in my opinion. And I'm not one of those people that's like, I care about how they look or the size or whatever. I'm like, yo, it's professional wrestling. These are people portraying characters who are some of the most athletically gifted people in the entire world. But not only are they athletic, they also know how to reach you. Like Dusty Rhodes was not the best looking guy, was never in shape. But that motherfucker, like Dan's doing right now, put your hand on the screen. You could feel me. Like that's the type of guy he was. You know what I'm saying? Look at guys like Kevin Owens. He's not the most athletically gifted guy in the world. But in that ring, he can do shit that most of us guys on our end of the spectrum, weight-wise, could only dream of. You know what I'm saying? It's like these guys have something about them that draws our attention. And Eddie Kingston's thing is his big mouth. His mouth will get him in trouble every which way, this way towards Sunday, however you want to put it. But when he gets in that ring, he looks like a motherfucker who is fighting for his life, no matter what situation you put him in. This matchup overall was fucking great for me. As a guy, like, I'm not super big, like I always say about New Japan, but I remember the shooter story with him being John Moxley's young boy. And we talk about it on the UW all the time about how, like, in Japan, the young boy has to earn their keep. They're not just getting in there and getting thrown on the secondary show. No, you're carrying bags. You're cleaning out the dojo. You are making your trainers breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You are doing everybody's laundry. You have to earn your spot there. Then you get into the ring. Then when you're in the ring, you're stripped down to just black boots, black trunks, all that stuff. To see him now, the outfit he's wearing, the color hair, the fact that he is on his first excursion out of Japan working for a Rev Pro in England and stuff like that and doing a European tour. As a fan, it's like, all right, my boy's making it. You know what I'm saying? I'm happy to see where he is now. And to see him in that ring working with guys like Jericho, going against a guy like Minoru Suzuki and actually standing up to him and not backing down. The fact that they played into the storyline of Jericho in Japan, beating the shit out of him multiple times. When he was there, when he was feuding with the people in New Japan, to see him get his vengeance, it was like, yeah, that was like, that was that moment. It's like, yeah, finally, his payback. Then he eats the most beautiful Judas effect I've ever seen. The motherfucker. <laughs> you haven't, damn, you haven't seen it yet. But just Spoil it away. Spoil away. I will spoil away because this man is celebrating. Hell yeah. Turns around, bang, and he is out like a light. <laughs> it was the, it's the best Judas effect you will see. Fun match. Sammy Guevara is Sammy Guevara. As much as people hate on him, again, I will still say I don't get the hate towards Sammy. 
But you know what I'm saying? Like Sammy's phenomenal. And then you got Murder Grandpa. Like, what else can I say? It was great. And Wheelie Yuta is coming into his own. And I love the fact that this kid is finally getting thrusted and being in being a part of the PCC is doing something for him too. So uh yeah, overall, great match. Good shit. Next up, I'm going with the three-way tag match, which this one I did see by way of clips. I seen a lot of this one and FTR just versus Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn versus Rapungi Vice. First off, man, Jeff Cobb's tour of the islands, it's just a, a body slam, but that swing around Brian is fucking it just makes it look so fucking ill. But FTR, I mean fucking uh damn. These dudes are the best tag teams in the world right now. Period. The best best tag teams, I would say, within the last five plus years or so. We best we actually we had the discussion yesterday, and Dan, I need I need your opinion on this too. And Lou, I would love to have your opinion on this as well. And Dan, I know how you feel about the Dudleys because I am right there with you. You know, we are Team Three D till the end of time. Is it time to start putting these guys in the conversation? If you think about it, no, and they need a few more. No, I know, I know, but all that, they no, need no, no, a few no, no. more years. Because that was my argument as well. That was my exact argument. But when we start talking about what people, what teams have done in a ten-year span, these guys went from being out on the independents, getting signed to WWE, going to NXT, putting on fucking classics, winning titles. Then they got moved up. Yes, we can all say how shitty their run was, but they held tag team gold on Raw. They held tag team gold on SmackDown. They decided they wanted their freedom. They stood up for themselves. These boys left. They bet on themselves. They went out there. They got the biggest match they can get with the Bucks. Killed it. They have been on fire. One tag team gold in AEW. Are able to now go to Mexico. Go down there. Win those titles. You know what I'm saying? Go Come up with Ring of Honor being, re, uh, being like reborn again. They're the new standard for the Ring of Honor tag team titles now. Now we just had a triple threat, which was a great match, by the way. And I hate to skip, I hate the fact that I'm skipping over it because everybody killed it. And yes, Jeff Cobb's tour of the islands is one of the most beautiful moves out there. Um, to throw back to the conversation you guys had the other week, it reminds me of Norman Smiley's power slam. If you guys remember that, he used to take you, swing you up, bring you down like a roller coaster, and then drop you. But this tour of the islands just looks so effortlessly with this guy and the moon salts too that this big bastard can hit is phenomenal. But standing moon salt. Standing exactly, and now and now for FTR to now hold the New Japan tag titles, the only other people I can compare that to in a ten-year span are the Dudleys. Can we say now FTR is definitely in a top ten area? I'm not saying they're going to be in the top three yet because they still got years to go. And you got to remember these guys are in their like early thirties; they still got matches upon matches. And like, think about it. You still got uh, NWA that they haven't touched yet. You got some of these other big indie companies out there. And we said it on the show. Dax Hardwood is our wrestler of the year. We don't care that he's a tag team wrestler. He is our wrestler of the year right now. Yeah, I was going to go there with that. Dax is Dax and Cody are like one and one A of -hmm. wrestler of the year, even with Cody not uh, performing much, obviously due to injury. Mm -hmm. But moment of the year, hands down for Cody. Dax has been 
singles match, tag, whatever it is. But to answer your question, and Lou, you'll get it after this. No, not yet, because I just did a title count. They're only up to 10. They still got about, what, another 13 or 14 to go. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah! Oh, no, trust me. I, like I said, they're they're when they're all said and done, they're gonna be up there, in my opinion. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, they, no they, they just got time. About they got time. Yeah, when you put it when you put it in reference to the Dudleys, that's where it gets kind of because, and it's crazy because FTR, technically, man, I don't, I haven't seen a tag team this good. And that I can't even tell you when. I mean, I haven't seen a tag team who works in this well together just in forever. Um, but I I can't I can't even if I was to do a 10 list right now, they might be number 10, but I, I probably would end up leaving them off because I'd end up naming so many other people. But again, with time, they'll end up they're gonna end up very high up there. If they continue this shit. And they go to Impact and decide to get those titles. And then they go to, you know, they def- do a couple defenses in New Japan. And then they keep doing their thing, dude. It's, there's no doubt that they're going to end up in that in that top ten. Top five could be. Greatest ever, as, as they want to continue to claim. Mm, I don't know, man. Devon and, and Bubba Ray now. might want to have a conversation with them. The Legion of Doom might want to have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. You know, Harlem Heat might want to have a conversation with them. It's just, just it gets, you know. See, I could give you, I could give you top ten like right now with them because of the belt count that I just did, mm-hmm. and yeah. to be and and globe with their belt count. Um, they're already mm-hmm. kind of right there with Harlem Heat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're already right there with Harlem Heat, so. When I can call him, he finished with 10. And almost yeah. all of them, no, all of them were WCW because they, yeah. they just did like a brief couple matches at WWE. But yeah. yeah, I mean, for FTR to pull this out, I mean, this this just shows, like I mentioned last week, Lou, trust. When we was talking about Jay, uh, Jay Lethal, Jeez. companies trust these guys. There, there has been now, now, I would put them to be honest. I would put them at number one today, but oh, oh, yes. but right above right above the young bucks, and then I would go Jimmy and Jay, Street Profits, and really I can't even think of more after that because those have been like for teams, like true teams, not Briscoe just made, brothers too, made up mashups. Briscoes, Briscoes, oh, oh yeah, my, yeah, Briscoes top five, Bris, Briscoes. Good um, brother. Oh gorillas, yeah, that's top ten. Des- I mean, they were big top ten. Gorillas of Destiny, definitely. You got to put them in there too. Yeah, yeah. I, top ten of today, all of those names. Now, yeah. I would actually put the Briscoes above the WWE talent, and only because they travel. Yep. WWE tra- talent, they travel amongst themselves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's but that's the only reason why like so I push them down. FTR, the Young Bucks, the Briscoes, Briscoes. and to be honest, I could flip flop the Briscoes with the Bucks e- either or. I love them boys, like you know, mm-hmm. them them boys, not the them Cowboys. Boys. 
Fuck the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, Carl's going to hear this too. And once again, say, I don't appreciate the Cowboys slander, but fuck them Cowboys. But, <laughs> but yeah, man, nah, it's, it's, I mean, they just cement their legacy once again in this night. And it's at lose, like you said, phenomenal match. Yeah, just uh, so great. Um, that finisher that they have, man, or used to be called the Shatter Machine. Now it's called, I guess, the Big Rig. That's a fucking. Obviously, it's kind of like a. It's kind of like a three D ish type of move, man. That's one of the things I love about tag team wrestling is having that tag team move to finish a match. That's mm-hmm. a. That's a. That's that's one of those things that's just it's it's like the stamp on top of your 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 style once again lou you creating without even knowing it now we got to do a best tag team finisher show i'm about to write that down <laughs> 3d now, is number one by the way it, yeah, it's number yeah, one. We'll, we'll, we'll just that. go ahead and put we'll just go ahead and put 3d at number one I, that doomsday doomsday devices up there uh number two i, I love <laughs> i love demolitions finish you know, what I'm saying? I love, I still, I still love that. I don't give a fuck if it's just a you drape him over the elbow, come with, the, come with the elbow off the top, or whatever. Attack. Yeah, that too. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll save that for another yeah, day. But exactly. once again, Lou creating without even realizing he's creating. Thank you That's for taking the notes. Uh, really <laughs> quick, really quick, before you guys continue, I, I did listen to the show last week. Phenomenal show. Um, and Lou, you are 100 percent right. Jay Lethal is criminally underrated. He is my number one black wrestler of all time. Oh, and I, and there, and there are a lot of names out there. And trust me, if I gave you all a list, you'd understand. But Jay Lethal is my number one. He is very criminally underrated for the amount of talent, skill, promo work yeah. that this guy can do. Yeah, he's great. And I feel bad for not having Jonathan Gresham at least an honorable mention. I fucked up there. We we both fucked up on that too. The octopus. Completely forgot about all John five Gresham. foot four. That man is. All five foot four. That man is a beast, yo. He's a beast, bro. Beast. He's a beast. But next match, All Atlantic Championship, Malachi, Pack, Miro, Clark Connors. Now Clark Connors had to sub in for who? Uh, for Ishii. Pack gets the victory. Clark Connors looked really good in this match. Uh, but yeah, Lou. I mean, go ahead at it with this one. Yeah, this was this was for me Pat, my Pat favorite Carly match of the, the night. Belt that everybody's been screaming for. Yes, this for me was my match of the night because first of all, Pac getting a, his his fucking recognition finally getting a goddamn belt for me was very satisfying to see him holding up that belt to the point where he was even looking at the belt like, wait, what for me? That's mine. <laughs> like he took a second to actually stop and be like, wait, is that for me? Um, that was very entertained by this match. This match had us. In the theater, bugging like it was people throwing shit, throwing popcorn up in the air, and that was mostly due to um, what's his name, Clark Connors, because that dude showed the fuck out in this match. This match, he took. This is one of those cases where people are like, "Yo, tonight, this is gonna be this guy's coming out party. He's got a chance here to like really show people some shit," and he did. Like that promo that he cut pre-match was, you know. Not great, but it wasn't bad either. It was a pretty much like an 80s style promo. It was cool. But, bro, he got everyone, he got all of us to the point where we were like, yo, is this guy going to win this match? Like, we were sitting there like, holy shit, like, I actually buy that. This dude might actually fucking win. Like, it was very, they did a really good job of disguising it. Obviously, I wanted Pac to win. 
Um, but I kind of thought maybe it, this is what this is one of the things about the match I love the most. It was like I really wasn't totally sure who was going to win because Miro just came back. Are you going to beat Miro? I don't know. Malachi could be a sleeper to win the belt. That'd be a little swerve action. Uh, and then obviously the main the dudes, the two dudes sitting next to me, we were all in agreement that we all thought Pac was going to win. So we were happy in the end. But I think uh, for me, this was match of the night because it just had me so up up and down with emotion that um it was uh it was perfect the, the the length of the match the pace of the match everything worked out beautifully man the finish was fucking great the finish of the match was fantastic all right uh for yeah. me personally i i agree with lou uh clark Khan is definitely stole the show for us um he was a guy that nobody was expecting we all thought he was gonna go in there and just eat the l um but he went in there and he showed out man the guy like when they say you only got one shot to make a difference or to make a first impression this kid made a great first impression on a lot of people who have no idea who he is. Um, overall, when it came to the match, we were all in agreement as well on the show. We all thought Pac was going to win. We're like, you know, this is kind of like Tony saying, you know, you are an original. Um, the pandemic fucked him over royally in AEW because this is a guy who was in title contention when the company first started. And remember, people forget he has a clean win over Kenny Omega. You know what I'm saying? In AEW standards, it's a very high value win. You know what I'm saying? And unfortunately, you know, pandemic hit. He was stuck in the UK for a bunch of months and wasn't able to come back. And then when he did, it was start, stop, start, stop with him. They threw him in Death Triangle, which is pretty cool because I think we can all agree Death Triangle is a pretty good, uh, really good group. Um, but he never really stood out on his own. He always was one of the three guys in the group. Um, Miro, to me, originally, as you guys know, I do have a running joke where I'm saying F Miro. But the guy is fucking phenomenal. The Redeemer gimmick is brilliant. To me, it was like it's too soon for him, and he needs to be in the world title picture right now because a lot of bodies are dropping, and Moxley's going to need a lot of credible contenders. So I didn't feel like Miro was going to get this title. I felt like he's on to bigger and better things. Malachi, as much as I enjoy Malachi, the House of Black has so many more angles that they can go with that group, and with him being the leader holding the title, to me right now, doesn't make sense. So it was always Pac in my mind, and I love the fact that Pac did get that win. And like Lou said, phenomenal match, great pacing, four guys in the ring, everybody shined, everybody got their shit in, and it was just, it was a great ending. It, it just adds on to the legacy of this show. The show was just, it just kept rolling. I, Miro, yeah, world in the future. I think when Malachi, once the trio's titles come out to play, House of Black is probably going to get that, even though I, per- like, honestly, if it went to if it went to Malachi, then I seen the Death Triangle would go in uh, trios titles, you know, because to me, I think they they might be one of the best fact. They are one of the best factions in AEW. Period. Like they always put on banger matches, always phenomenal work, no matter how you put it. Yes, Pac does look like the afterthought because of the phenomenalness that is penta then ray phoenix if ray phoenix can stay healthy and yes the pandemic had Pac trapped home you know he had to cut promos and and, and email them bitches he yeah. had to e- he had to email the stems and drop uh, that shit to his promos <laughs> for them to play him but yeah i'm yeah right <laughs> airdrop was a big ass airdrop overseas but for but real? yeah no i like for the way you mentioned everything is is I kind of co-signed to because it's almost predictable even though we're still watching this as fans 
but it feels like this is the direction that they're going and rightfully so um but the next direction we're going is the bullet club versus dudes with attitudes which this is i mean dudes with attitudes it's a corny name but yet sting is from the 80s so i get the name it's a throwback it's <laughs> a throwback sting, to an old team but lou yeah i was gonna say but lou sting jumping off the damn entrance way 63 yeah, years that old man, throwing his that body man around like he's terry funk 63 <laughs> years old it's amazing to me how much how good of a shape sting is in and the, the things that he's able to do and the shit that he doesn't need to be doing that he's doing anyway like you could tell that he's out there to prove a point and he's out there to have fun um so when they when sting's music hit we were waiting for him to come out and then when he didn't come out we were looking at each other like what the fuck was going on and then they did the spotlight thing and i was like oh my god no please no do not have this man come down from the rafters because the last thing we need is some kind of horrific accident. Please don't do this, bro. Please no. And thank God that they decided to do what they did, even though what he did was actually technically still dangerous. Um, I'm just so glad that he didn't do some kind of thing from the rafters. Um, it's funny because I was just watching... Um, I, I, I fall down YouTube rabbit holes all the time. And for some reason, I was watching when Sting rescued Diamond Dallas Page from the NWO beating the shit on him. They were like 20 guys in the ring, and they were beating the shit out of uh, Diamond Dallas. And he was outside, and Sting came down, and he attached the fucking the thing to him. And then they went up in the air, bro. That shit is terrifying to watch, bro. Mm -hmm. That's some terrifying shit to watch. Um, as a kid, it was the greatest shit ever. Well, not a kid, because I was like in my fucking 20s when that shit happened, but um that was the greatest shit ever but anyway um the only thing that bothered me was the camera work because like you didn't actually get to really see sting standing on top of the stage and you saw his shadow like against the wall and even when i saw the shadow i didn't really get what was going on and then the next thing you know they showed just sting like falling on top of them um but man what a way to fucking start the match <laughs> What a way to start the match, I would, dude. I really enjoyed this match. I would a lot. say that's good camera work, though. I would say that's good camera work because it left you surprised. It left, like, yeah, you, you just described leading into it. Like, where the hell is he coming from? Oh, oh shit, yeah. he just fell. Like, like I'm just, I'm I would just say saying it would have been cool. It would have been cool to see the shot of the Bucks, like, looking at whatever and to see Sting actually standing instead of, like, the shadow. And then all of a sudden the camera pans over and he's already in the air. Like, eh, I mean, it was fine for what it was. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was still a crazy fucking stunt. But I just would have liked to see him standing up there. That shit would have been cool. That would have been some Batman shit. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it, Brian. Um, I'll say this, like I said yesterday. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have any family members that are on AARP, Social Security, Eat at Bennigan's, Old Country Buffet, do me a favor. Don't let them jump off of shit. I'm sorry. Every time Sting jumps off something, I get nervous. Brother is 63 years old, and he's diving off anything and everything he sees. Darby Allen is a horrible influence on him. He needs to stop watching Jackass. <laughs> cut that shit off at the home. Stop it. And tell Ric Flair's ass to sit the fuck down, too. All right? I don't need my legends dying in the ring. But, no, it, it was fucking greatness. It's Sting. It's like, what do you expect? It's fucking Sting. 
Uh, but the match was great. Uh, I never in my life thought I would see Sting get a titty twister, which was fucking hilarious to me. Um, Sting ate and no sold super kicks and then resold it, which was fucking brilliant, by the way. Um, but the match was fun. It was exactly what I wanted it to be. And I'm a huge, huge fan of Shingo Takagi. I, I remember him when he was a part of Dragon Gate, when they used to come down with uh, Ring of Honor back in the day and do like the super showdowns and the all-star extravaganzas around WrestleMania weekend. They'd always bring the guys from Dragon Gate over. And Shingo was one of those guys that I was always like, that motherfucker's great. Like that bastard was great. And the fact that he bulked up, came to New Japan and has been killing it. I love the fact that they were able to give him some type of a showcase here in America. And him getting the win was like, you know, definitely a tip of, a tip of the cap to New Japan. But overall, a really, really fun match. And again, it, the legacy of this pay-per-view will continue. Yeah, yeah Shingo is the one that came out with that mask on. Yeah. 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 So, like I said, I'm not too familiar with New Japan guys, but there were a couple people who I mentally was like, I need to see more of these guys. And he's one of those guys. Another oh, yeah. one of those guys is Phantasma. Uh, yeah. That guy's fucking great. I don't know. Oh, where he's the phenomenal. Fuck he, I don't know where he came from. I don't know what he does. I don't know what he's involved with. I know he's in Bullet Club. That's all I know. Yeah, but I need to see fucking more of that dude. I hope that dude comes on AEW a little more so I could like, you know, what I'm saying, see him a little farther because that dude is fucking tremendous. Like he, he did a- an excursion with Impact uh, a few months, uh, like about a year ago. He was he was down there for a couple of months, but like he's one of those like uh, junior heavyweights, and he's been part of uh, part of the Super J Cup a couple of times. Like guy just puts on like phenomenal matches, man. Like he he's one of those guys in Bullet Club that nobody really talks about. Like like the guys like him and Chase Owens and Bone Soldier that like like you said Lou eventually if you look into it you'll you will learn about them but like to see their progression in New Japan like in New Japan they really do tell stories when you see like a guy go from like being like a junior heavyweight trying to become a heavyweight like the story of Trent and Kenny and Switchblade and stuff like that it was the same thing with Shingo as well like Shingo like I said was part of Dragon Gate which a lot of like the smaller high flyer guys and for him to get that call up to go to New Japan was a big deal, especially in Japan. It's like somebody from, it's like somebody in America going from like the Ring of Honor storyline. So people from Ring of Honor would end up getting signed by WWE or TNA. It's like one of those calls. It's like, oh shit, like he actually did it. And and the same thing can be said with uh with Kota Ibushi. Like he was another guy, part of DDT, who was like the outcast promotion that nobody really cared about because it was more comedy based. But everybody saw how great he was. And then for him to go to New Japan, it, it's like that similar story that's being told down there. But trust me, when you look into Shingo and see some of his work, the yeah. guy is phenomenal. And he's actually my pick for the G1 to go on to go to uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, shit. Cool. And what what's the name is a part of uh, the Bullet Club's cutest tag team, right? Which one? Uh, the um, dude that you just mentioned. Oh, Phantasmo. Fan, uh, El Fantasmo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I only re- I only know that because shout outs to once again no spots podcast. They're always shouting out PC's cutest tag team all the time, and it's El Fantasmo and Desperado. I I remember it because yeah. anytime they mention the team's name, like they'll make they won't just say the team's name; they'll say every single person's full government. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? When when my boys uh uh, uh mention them on the show, but um. Yeah, man, I, I, he's another person I need to get more familiar with. But now we finally get to Cassidy Osprey. Your thoughts, Brian? Um, 
to me, I, I I personally love this match. Like as you guys know, I do follow a lot of indies, and I I like I said, I remember Orange when he was part of the ant uh, the ant colony in uh, Chikara and Ring of Honor. I knew this dude could go. I just never knew it was him. And then once I realized it was him, I was like, yeah, this dude is a bad right. motherfucker. And it's funny because in our circle of the UWO and the Facebook groups that we're in. Lately, I've been getting a lot of credit, and I, I'm not one to pat myself on the back when it comes to shit like that, but I love the fact that people are like, yo, Brian was right about this dude. Like, I, I said it before he even got signed. I said, I would love to see when WWE was the only place in town. I'm like, I would love to see an Orange Cassidy there because he would fit them perfectly. The only problem is I wouldn't trust them to book him properly. Like, just let him be, let him go in the ring. When people see what this guy can do in the ring, they will be amazed. And like, like Lou said, I'm one of those people that go down the YouTube rabbit hole a lot too. And I watch like Comic Cons and shit. Like, I like to see what's going on in the wrestling world. And three different Comic Cons that I've seen with Orange Cassidy on it, whenever somebody asks him, Who is your dream match? Without hesitation, he says, I want Osprey. He's been saying that for years to the point where I was like, All right, I'm kind of hyped up for it. Personally, I would have wanted to see Osprey versus a guy like Sammy Guevara, but. This was the match that nobody knew they wanted, and we're so happy that we got it because these two dudes went out there and stole the show. Every false finish looked believable, no matter if it was Osprey or if it was Orange. You thought somebody was going to get pinned at any point in time during this match. And Orange Cassidy's just fucking goaded, in my opinion. Like when he, when Osprey had him down for the Kawada kicks and he's kicking him in the head and stuff. Cassidy reverses it and he starts doing the karate kicks, but he does it slowly in, in his little sloth style or whatever. <laughs> it was just fucking hilarious. There's a point where Osprey got Cassidy in the um, abdominal stretch and he puts his hand in Orange's pockets and he's like, yeah, "Look what up. I found!" Like it, it was just, it was comedy. <laughs> it, it was like I, I would say it's an all around wrestling match. You get every emotion. You get the happiness. You get the comedy. You get the oh shit moments. You get the holy fuck, I thought it was over. You get all the false finishes. And then at the very end of the match, and I hate to spoil it because everybody who knows me knows that when it comes to New Japan, there is one guy that I've always championed and he was gone for so long. And the fact that he came back from a ridiculous injury where he damn near died in the ring when Shibata showed up at the very end, I personally went nuts. The boys are texting me. They're like, we hear Brian coming from like 20 minutes away. And I'm like, <laughs> you have no effing clue. I'm like, I was going nuts. My girl's like, who the fuck is that? And she's just like, oh, based on your face, you must, he must be really good. And she she just saw the pop that he got. And she was like, okay, I don't know this dude. He didn't say a word, but he was over as fuck. And then Orange Cassidy putting the glasses on him and them two just sitting in the ring like the Orange like this. And home dudes just sitting there with the glass. That was fucking brilliant. I loved it. I loved every second of it. We already said when we do our award show, that match is already nominated. And in my opinion, nothing is going to beat that match. <laughs> yeah, man. See, uh, Brian, Brian missed oh. the opportune moment. He was say Brian missed the opportune moment to quote Arn Anderson when he said, "I don't like to toot my own horn, but toot toot." toot. toot. I should have. <laughs> 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 yeah, my favorite, my favorite of the, my favorite moment of the night was in during this match. Well, not during the match; it was after the match when Shibata showed up. But not for for the to, the real reasons. It was my favorite moment because, you know, we had just watched this tremendous match. Which I don't want to step over the match. The match was fucking tremendous. People who don't like Orange Cassidy for 
if you don't like the gimmick, I understand. You know, it's not for everybody. But if you're going to sit here and say that he's like an embarrassment to wrestling, he doesn't know how to wrestle. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You're just you are just a hater and you are a stand for whatever company it is that you want to be a stand for. Because if you watch that and you're not going to tell me that that dude's not a ring general, you really don't fucking you don't like wrestling. You just don't. You like something else. Um, so I don't want to step over the match, but Brian, you you went over everything that I loved about the match. Um, but my favorite moment of the night was, so we're watching Orange get his ass beat, and we're like, okay, obviously someone's Somebody's coming, coming out. out. Yeah, You know, obviously someone's coming out. So here come all his homeboys, here comes Rapongi, and mm-hmm. they get their ass kicked. And then that music hit, and there was, so when I go to the theater, I always sit in the last row. I always sit in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, you know, looking because I want to look down on everyone else. And usually I bring streamers and I throw streamers and shit, but I didn't have time to do that this time. But so I'm sitting up at the top and that music hit. And the second that that music hit, there was a girl who jumped. She this bitch jumped up and she was like, oh, my fucking God, <laughs> that was Shabata, Shabata. she started fucking screaming Shabbat's name. And she was literally, this bitch was jumping up and down, like, Shabbata, Shabbata, oh my fucking God. And I'm there like, Yo, who the, I'm looking at these dudes. That's a brain. Who the fuck is Shabbata? Like, who the fuck is Shabbata? I don't know who this guy is, but it didn't It didn't take away really Some, from it. Somebody from passing just, the bread around. <laughs> I mean, no happened. What'd he say? He said passing bread around, I, dude. I said somebody's passing the bread around. The Chibata bread. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> no, and she was a she was a big Nyla Rose looking bitch, but she was a cool. Actually, I talked to her after the show, but that moment for me was fucking great. Just the 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 her excitement, man. It was like infectious. I I like really. It was such a great night, man. Um, yeah, that was my favorite moment of the night. Just somebody just seeing like a. A chick be so fucking excited for something like wrestling related was like so cool, man. I really thought that was cool. Awesome. I definitely shout out to Nyla Rose as always. Love her. But next up, the big reveal. Zach Saber Jr. finds out who he's going to face. And we finally get Claudio Castanoli. Now, TikTok. Everywhere else, it's Claudio Castanoli. He is not Cesaro anymore. Yeah, everybody's kept screaming, and I, I seen all the reactions to this one. It's Cesaro. It's no, it's Cesaro. Now I get it, Mister Mister and Mrs. Twenty Five Year Old. That's all you knew. This is not Cesaro. This is Claudio Lou, and to see him come out. People questioning, oh, but no, he had Blackpool Combat Club right across his jacket. Oh yeah, it was on his Titan Tron entrance video package. It was, it was everywhere. Yeah, now you could, I mean, perfect, perfect person to add to that to that group, Lou. Yeah, honestly, uh, one of the things I've, uh, it, it like, it kind of annoyed me, but at the same time, I think it's kind of cool. There's this girl on Twitter that we follow each other. She's an artist. She draws these very cool looking. Um, cartoonish wrestling. Like she'll take like scenes from wrestling um, shows and she'll draw it in like cartoon and with blood and all kind of. It looks really cool. Um, her name is Twilight Palms, actually. If anybody wants to go check her out, 
and she's been she was posting that night on Twitter. She was like, "Who's this bald guy?" And I was like, "Who's this bald guy?" But then I had to take a step back and realize not everyone is, you know, there's some people who just watch one thing, man. There's people who just watch one thing. And she's one of those cool people that doesn't shit on everything else while enjoying the thing that she watches. So I kind of took a step back and I was like, all right, she just doesn't know who fucking Claudio is. So it was funny because I was just watching because, you know, people that you follow, you see all their shit. So I'm just seeing people send her videos and she's retweeting stuff she's retweeting the helicopter shit she's retweeting the um the video of of cesaro at the time airplane spinning whoever that was on his neck with no hands ufo bro he's fucking ufoing somebody with no hands on his neck like that's some that is some superhuman shit so it was kind of cool seeing uh this new person discover claudia that way but um, I really, honestly, I don't have much to say about this match. It was great. It was fucking great. And what I enjoyed about it the most was seeing Claudio have so much fun. Like seeing that guy come out and get the prop, the props that he deserves, the love that he deserves from this crowd, putting him in a high profile match and him just going out there and having so much fun was just, I, that was, uh, what I enjoyed most about the match. It was funny is that I saw somebody posted a, I think it was from his Wikipedia page, and it sh- it said like, man, what an upgrade. And when you look at the picture, it's his last few matches, and his last match was him versus Baron Corbin, and he lost. And then his next match after that is a win over fucking Zack Saber Jr. on a pay per view, like, and it's like, wow, what a fucking upgrade, you know? Super happy for that guy, man. Yeah. You know what's crazy, Brian? It's just a theme that Lou just mentioned. Everybody who has come to AEW, the first thing most people say is, wow, it looks like they're having fun. It's funny you say that because I've been preaching that forever. We know, like, let's be honest, as fans and as people who's followed people's career from WWE, like, we don't got to be in the room to know what's going on. Like, we can see the tweets that people put out. We see the posts. We hear about the travel issues. We hear about the booking decisions. We know about all of this stuff. When it comes to AEW and these wrestlers going there, it's crazy to say this, but it's like, and I don't want to be disrespectful to WWE and their fans, but it's like, it's like you just got out of prison and your people's threw you a party. And you're walking through that door and everybody is happy to see you home. Like, that's the way I look at it when it comes to some of these debuts and re-debuts and, like, jumping ship or whatever. And for me, since day one that AEW was announced, when there was competition, I was throwing out names left and right. And the one name I said, WWE needs to be afraid if they ever let go, was Claudio Castagnoli a.k.a. formerly known or formerly known as Cesaro. I've watched this guy for years. I say this all the time, and Kyle is my witness, and he can be like, he can testify to this. I used to tell him, I'm like, dude, there are things that this guy can do that you have never seen him do once in WWE. It took years for him to bust out the UFO. 
I was telling Kyle about the UFO years ago, and he's just like, you he's said, like, you said that here, uh, like at least a year or so ago, about yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah, like there, there were things. I'm just like, yo, you've never seen him spin somebody around with no hands. Kyle's like, how the fuck can you do that? The moment he's seen it for the first time, he calls me up. He's like, what did I just see? That's the UFO. He was like, oh shit. Like this guy is phenomenal at what he does. And it, it's more proof to me as a fan that WWE has their bias. They have their favorites and they have people that they just don't get. And Claudio is somebody that we publicly know Vince doesn't get. He said it on the Stone Cold podcast. He doesn't have it were his exact words. When Steve Austin is literally giving you proof that you had this man hot as hell. And I brought it up yesterday on the show. WrestleMania 30. There are three things from that show people remember. The first thing is the streak was broken. Number two is Brian, uh, Brian Danielson, formerly known as Daniel Bryan's Amazing Night. And number three is Cesaro picking up the big show, taking steps, not a step, steps, and just throwing him over the top rope. Like, this dude is amazing. Dan, I know you didn't watch the pay-per-view yet, but Lou, I want to ask you, right? You tell me, like, what was your reaction when you saw this? Dan, there was a point in that matchup, right? Zack Sabre Jr. had him in the armbar. I'm going to describe it to you. He has him in the armbar. Claudio picks him up, walks him to the ropes. They both go out of the ring while Zack Sabre Jr. is still holding him in the armbar. He is laying flat on the floor. This man... Crawls up to his knees, gets up to his feet, lifts him up with one arm, walks to the steps, and just throws him in the ring with one arm. Lou, I've what did you seen, say? He, and, he, the thing is, and the thing is, he didn't fucking, like, you know how, not saying that that has been done before, but you know, like, he'll get up to the ring and then just, like, drop him into the ring. No, he didn't fucking drop him into the ring. He threw fucking Zack Zaber Jr. into the ring with one arm. He had him, he was down... You know how when people grab, you know, uh, the arm bar, the classic arm bar where you, a standing arm bar where you pull the guy down and he has to bend over because you're pulling him down? That's how he was. He picked this motherfucker up with one arm and then he walked over to the steps. And when he walked over to the steps, we were like, oh shit, he's going to slam him on top of the fucking steps. But the steps looked like weird. The angle that they were showing it, the steps look weird. So I was like, wait, if he slams him on there, that's going to be kind of dangerous. This motherfucker starts walking up the stairs. We <laughs> were like, yo, what the fuck is he doing? He literally just started walking up the stairs holding another human. He grabbed the, the, the top rope for leverage. And then when he got up there, he literally just went, okay, and threw Zach Sabre Jr. into the fucking ring. Like, yeah. Like, I, I don't, people always say, like, you know, when he was in WWE, everyone would say that he's deceptively strong. And I think Mark Henry, was it, what was that table for three where, Somebody, um, I was either Mark Henry or Big Show said that Cesaro was the strongest dude mm-hmm. on the roster or something like that. I don't remember exactly who said it. Yeah, I believe it was Mark. But, I believe it was Mark Henry. Yeah, somebody said that he was like the strongest dude on the roster, um, pound for pound, you know. Um, but dude, that yeah, that was that was I, I can't, I don't know how he actually just um, because I watched the media scrum not today, I watched it the day before. And then today I saw a video where he was on Twitch in a weight room and he fucking deadlifted 500 pounds. Like that shit was a fucking, like a bag of Skittles. 
Yeah. Like he literally just deadlifted 500 pounds, held that shit up there. Everybody in there started screaming and then he just dropped it. Like it was fucking nothing. Yeah. Like the dude's an alien. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen that spot. I've seen, I didn't see that spot in the match, but I've seen that spot before where people been picked up from, uh, from arm bars before. Like I, I've seen it, but this, that he threw the cat. I mean, let's see. Zach Saber Jr. is probably up, also he walked up the stairs and threw him into the ring. But then, but then like I, I said, Zach you got to remember, it started in the ring. It started in the ring. They went out no, of yeah, the yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's I, I all continued. Yeah. I, ha- I have to watch the spot, but I'm saying I've seen people do the arm bar pickup, but not throw the guy. And like I was going to say, I got Zach Saber Jr. has got to be under 200 pounds. No, that I means think he's Claudio like 213, doing- 214. Regardless, Claudio is definitely doing 100, 150 pound dumbbell presses. And he doesn't look like it. His physique doesn't look like that, like impressive. To, I yeah. mean, it looks impressive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say it like that. It doesn't look like he should be able to do that, that type of stuff. But yet he does it with ease. He oh, does yeah. it with like ease. I- and I was going to mention, but you already, you already mentioned it already. Now we're going to be able to see the UFO more often. Mm-hmm. And, and not even just the UFO. Like when people talk about like him doing the Cesaro swing and or like when they, that's what they called it back then. But him doing the swing, right? The most resolutions he ever did on WWE TV was like 30. I've seen him do 200. When people talk about like delaying vertical suplexes, I've seen him do it for two minutes with the crowd counting every second of the suplex. I, I, when I talk about like like and this is the thing about pro wrestling that we sometimes overlook as fans and growing up in our era, there were just people that we liked just based on gimmick alone or looks. You know what I'm saying? Like we didn't give a damn about star ratings and all that shit. Like people love George the Animal Steel because this motherfucker would bite a turnbuckle and shit like that and had a green tongue. But there were just some guys who just did some super cool shit that we don't see on a regular basis. And I felt like when he was in WWE. They never had the opportunity to show that type of stuff. And in AEW, you're going to see a whole bit. Like, half of y'all have any, I'm not saying you guys in general, but half of y'all don't even know how great of a high flyer he is. Like, like people talk about Osprey and Ricochet. You still haven't seen what this guy can do. And trust me, I've seen it done before. I'm telling you right now, if one of his matches on Dark or, or Elevation is against a guy named Matt Seidel, Please do yourself a favor and watch that match because if they do the finisher that they did at their very first Ring of Honor pay-per-view, Respect is Earned, you're going to be like, what the fuck did I just see? Like, if that match ever happens on Dark or Elevation or on Dynamite, please tune in and watch that. I'm I'm begging y'all. All All right. Well, I'm begging y'all to – we got to get through these last two matches because we've been moving and I want to get to the fun part. The the next one (laughs) – White Cole Page Okada. I didn't see this going any other way other because he just won the IWGP. But once again, I heard another phenomenal match. The crowd I heard I seen popped ridiculously the most for Okada. But go ahead, Lou. Yeah, obviously the story of that match is Adam Cole. Um, there's still really no word about what's going on with him. It's been said that he has a concussion but they don't even really know where in the match he got it. Um, so it, was, it was the dropkick. Oh, okay. It was, it was yeah. the Okada dropkick. 
Yeah, I really need to. I really, really want to rewatch this pay-per-view, man. Going through this show again, it's like, and it's rare for me to want to rewatch an entire pay-per-view, but like, I really want to go back and watch this. Um, phenomenal match. And obviously, I was Jay White all the way. Um, Jay White is like one of the guys I'm familiar with when it comes to New Japan. Um, and I figured he was going to retain just because of the how he just got the title, but Again, the story of the match, the way it ended kind of sucks because the, the match itself was looking like it was going to build to a tremendous finish. And then they just had to kind of had to cut it early. So that was unfortunate. But um, it doesn't really take away from the match. Honestly, I just thought it was just another phenomenal match in a fucking card full of phenomenal matches. hundred percent agree on that. Like um, to me, like you said, the ending of the match was like really wonky because it was just fired like they were just hitting on all cylinders you know finishers were starting to get broken out and then just out of nowhere cole collapses you know like jay white comes in hits the the blade runner on okada throws him out and then he just goes to cole and like even watching the pin back it was like cole looked like he was trying to kick out yeah so they definitely to me it definitely goes to show that they called an audible and like white definitely like shoot held him down when it came to that um, but overall, the match itself was great. Like, Hangman just, like, in the mix, like, it just goes to show you that he's a world-class, like, A-plus, like, wrestler right now. Like, the guy's definitely earned his main event spot. Adam Cole, as much as people want to crack on him because of the way he looks and stuff, he's still a top-tier professional wrestler. Uh, Okada's Okada. Uh, if people don't know him, please do your research. The guy is amazing <laughs> at what he does. Even though I know my fr- uh, my buddy Kyle always gets on him about the Rainmaker, it, it is what it is. It's still a finisher, and the camera panning out at all times it, it just adds to it. Um, the real story for me was Jay White, and I brought this up yesterday on the show too. And I have to admit it: the guy is officially the best member of the Bullet Club. He has one of the best records. He is a Grand Slam champion in New Japan. He came in another one of those stories where they're elevating somebody up. And this guy isn't even 30 years old yet. And like he said, he headlined MSG. He helped sell out this arena. He's He holds a 5-1 and one record over Okada right now. It's like not many people have winning records over Okada, let alone 5-1. You know what I'm saying? And when it comes to the Bullet Club, yes, it's not as popular as it was with the prior group that were there. But he keeps it going. He's been adding new members, guys like Chris Bay, guys like Ace Austin. You know what I mean? adding some depth to that group. And this to me was Jay White's like stamp of I'm here motherfuckers. When y'all talk about the best, my name is officially in there. And he went against some great competition and definitely got this win. Like, like you said, I wasn't expecting the title to move anywhere. I, unless it was going back to Okada, but uh, Jay White proved his point and showed up and showed out on this paper. Yeah. And Jay White, please, Please, please never shave that beard because I was just watching. <laughs> I was just watching uh, yesterday the history of New Japan uh, on YouTube. Again, YouTube rabbit holes. When he went naked with no beard, he he looked like he might have been nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> he might have been nineteen. Those are the Ring of Honor beyond days. Beyond babyface. <laughs> beyond babyface. But last but not least, Tanahashi Moxley. There was this wasn't going no other way than than the way it went. Um, I heard the end of this one, Brian, was a little uh, messy and confusing, but all in all, another great match. 
Yeah, it was, it was like this is the match when like I don't really nitpick AEW for a lot of the stuff that they do, but this stuff starts to bother me, and especially and you listen to Busted Open too. My biggest pet peeve with AEW is referee Rick Knox. I am not a fan of that guy. I'm sorry, it drives me nuts when something is blatantly happening directly in front of your face as a referee and you're not acknowledging it. I understand you're part of the show. Referees are a very underrated portion of the world of professional wrestling. And RIP to Tim White, uh, local guy from Rhode Island. Um, but it drives me nuts that during that match, right? And don't get me wrong. If you want to be lenient, go for it. But when the referee is outside the ring with both wrestlers outside the ring and you see a foreign object being used, a.k.a. Tanahashi going directly through a table in front of your eyes and you don't call anything on that, that pisses me off. But, and and I kind of flipped it around and, and I'm going to refer back to the Claudio and Zack Sabre Jr. match really quick. When I talk about referees, when you see what occurs with Zack Sabre Jr. and Bryce Remsburg in that match, you're going to see why I don't have a problem with him, but I definitely have a problem with the other dude. Because Zack was testing him the entire night. He was testing the five count the entire match. Like literally to the point where Bryce is yanking him off at five because he doesn't want to disqualify him. Rick Knox is just like, oh, shit, he went through a table. All right, I'm going back in the ring. I'm going to start counting now. Like, I hate that shit. I legit hate that shit. When it comes to, and especially when it comes to the logical part of wrestling. But back to the match, Tanahashi, I can see why people say he is the fucking GOAT. The guy is phenomenal. He took that entire crowd that are huge Moxley fans. And you got to remember, Moxley is one of those guys that's an AEW guy. That crowd wanted Tanahashi to win that match by the end of that match. They were all behind him. They were chanting go ace the entire ace. Yeah, they were yeah. chanting go ace like crazy in that building. They weren't mad that Moxley won because, you know, that's what everybody was expecting. But, um, but like, he showed why he's so great at what he does. Now, to get to the ending, uh, I personally didn't like the ending of, of the show. It felt like an ending to Dynamite or an ending to Raw because it was a big clusterfuck. Yeah, but and- the, be- the best part about that ending was – the subtle craziness of Eddie Kingston outside that ring, which was fucking hilarious. He threw a temper tantrum like you wouldn't believe. What the fuck is this guy doing here? Because him and Claudio do have beef from the Chikara days, which if you ever want to know, I could let you know about that too. But he just starts going off. What the fuck is he doing here? Why the fuck are you here? Excuse me, excuse me language, but he's like, fuck you. Claudio's like, shut the fuck up. And then Moxley's just laying on the floor, bloodied up, holding his belts like, Come on, man. Y'all can't get along. Come on. Let's put the shit aside. But it, it, it it's just fun. It's like watching brothers fight, and there's just one in the middle. It was hilarious. But um, but overall, great main event. It, it did what it was supposed to do. We have a new interim champion. And um, yeah, I guess we should be hyped for blood and guts. Yeah. I will say that ending, the ending to that match really like I was like, really? We need Jericho to come out here now, like right now, and do this bullshit. Like after that fucking match we just had, like I wanted to see them at least shake hands and and you know fucking give each other the 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 proper respect after that kind of match. You know, you have these guys come out and do like a schmaz ending was a little annoying, but we wouldn't have gotten that whole Eddie Kingston shit on the outside and saying fuck you to right to Claudio's face. He was going ham. I was just like, man, this guy's the fucking greatest, bro. Eddie Kingston rules. But uh, yeah, that match was crazy. The 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 crowd chanting "Go Ace, Go Ace," booing Moxley because mm-hmm. at one point when they were chanting "Go Ace, Go Ace," and Moxley got the upper hand, they started booing. 
And I'm like, holy shit, these people are booing John Moxley right now. This is insanity. So, yeah, I um, pretty pretty good cherry on top of a fucking cake of a pay per view, man. Uh, uh, overall, just again, to to me, the best show of the year, most entertaining show of the year, the best stack card of the year. Even though I I really don't even know half the people on the card, um, and I just thought it was a tremendous show, tremendous tremendous show. Not a bad match on the card. Can't say that for a lot of pay per views. Yeah. So just letter grades, no explanations. What did y'all give it? Oh, that's an A plus show for me. A plus. There it is. There it is. And that was Forbidden Door. They, you brothers here enticed me further to make sure I find a way to watch it. Um, hopefully, it makes it to YouTube. You know, that website, a good one. Now we are down to our main event. There has been, and I mean, when you really, really go over the history of professional wrestling, racist moments, pause-worthy moments, sexist moments, any type of moment within this sport, you name it, we've had it. But the racial component has always been a huge one, especially when the territory days was a thing. And the South had some of the best territories when it comes to professional wrestling. Um, you, you could think of Florida Championship, uh, what a, you know, Mid Atlantic, Mid South, Deep South, uh, Smoky Mountain, and all of those, all of those. World Even class. if you go, yeah, world class, WCW, WCCW. Um, even if you take it to Minnesota over there with Vern Gagne, you know, when most of these wrestling promotions, even the WWF was all white a lot of a lot of just racism in general when it comes to the fans throwing out nigga or the n-word to be politically correct and now um to the other wrestlers to the wrestling company owners there has been so many moments and we're just going to talk about i don't even want to call them our favorites we're going to talk about some of the most <laughs> egregious ones. I mean, some of them are favorited by me because of the hilarity behind it. Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand the racial and social context behind all of this stuff after the points of all of these things. Like I would say, my first favorite one that we'll get into right now because Lou was trying to tease it last week, but I love saying it because it's fucking hilarious. It's dead wrong, but it's hilarious. Keep it up, my nigga. <laughs> the way the way he did it, like he, my nigga, like like he like he really thought he was like it was yeah. down, like that that was he, he really thought Vince McMahon really thought he was black. You no, forgot the part where he was like, "What's good in the hood?" <laughs> right. Well, I didn't need to say that because we all remember to keep it up, my nigga. And like literally, that should have been do rag Vince in that moment. Mm-hmm. He should have had to do rag on then doing that. And then, yo, the irony of this man, Booker T, being a part of three <laughs> different incidents. And I know we're gonna talk about most of them, but this one, tell me you didn't he did not just say that. Hulk Hogan, I'm coming for you, nigga. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then the hands to the face, and Sherry patting his back, laughing like, "Oh my goodness!" They are trying <laughs> like, so hard. She couldn't break, <laughs> but she she wanted to. And then the Triple H angle, Lou. I mean, you brought this topic, and I wanted to get into it, but just the the the, the triple threat of Booker T. That's what we'll call that part. Is the triple threat of Booker T. <laughs> yeah, and he he caused one. He was part of directly involved in one, and then he capped one off. So it's like he he's a triple crown, the triple crown winner of racism in wrestling. Because <laughs> he, like, first of all, that one with uh, Harlem Heat when they're doing the interview there, when he says that shit. The, the, what what caps it for me is that sensational Sherry's face when he said when he looks when he puts his hands in his face and he looks back. I think he says something when he puts his face to the side because you can't see his face when he does it when he turns like that, and you just see Sherry go like that smile as she's like that shit is just it's like oh my god I, I just. And I didn't even see that when I was younger. I discovered that shit when I was already old enough to like just find that shit fun. Um, the the <laughs> I don't know if you want to call these favorites, but if if there's a favorite one, I guess I guess I'm gonna have to go with that Vince McMahon shit because he just just the whole the whole premise <laughs> of it, like the whole it's just so ridiculous on every fucking level. First of all, you got white rapper John Cena. Doctor of Thugonomics, you know, talking slang and doing his thing and being hip hop. And then Vince is walking up with his fucking bop and his smile. What's good and good? It's like, it's so fucking cringy that you're just like, all right, can we just get this fucking segment over with? And then he just goes, keep it up. Let it go. The way he just, bro, the ridiculousness, <laughs> the ridiculousness of that entire thing is just fucking. It, that shit is just funny, man. Racism is not funny, obviously, but goddamn, man, if you don't laugh at that shit, you just you you have to laugh at that. Now, there ain't no not laughing at that shit. Yeah, I mean it's dead wrong, Brian, but it and we black here. This shit was funny. I'm sorry. It's a, I, I, I it, laugh at fucked up shit. It's funny. Like, I, I know you guys were talking about the Booker T thing, but I do want to throw one of my most famous racist-ish moments out there. It was when DX couldn't get in the building. And they were looking for some tickets. And what do you know? There oh, were two man. brothers scalping tickets outside the building. <laughs> and it was the <laughs> homies crime time. And Triple H is petrified <laughs> of these dudes. And then Sean goes, don't worry, I speak jive. And then Sean <laughs> turns into the blackest yes. motherfucker you've ever seen. Oh, I gotta look, no, I gotta and look, then, I gotta look that up. It, it's, 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 too, it's too ignorant and hilarious at the same damn time. And then they gotta bust out the older living color. <laughs> Bam! And Triple H is like, I thought he had a gun. Yeah, and I fucking popped. Yeah, it's, it's it's so blatantly ignorantly racist without using the n word, but it's fucking pure comedy. It's hilarious. Like, I'm sorry that when it comes to famous famous racist moments, that shit tops it off. It's like I get Vince saying the n word, like. 
it's like, damn, could you, you can go any further. But when it comes to comedy-wise, that skit right there, it will always be in my top five of just funniest moments in pro wrestling. Triple H being petrified and overpaying for floor seats was fucking gold. But that and but and you look at a skit like that that and him acting like that, it's almost like payback for when he was the bully in, yeah, exactly. in the Booker T role, and which we all know, but Booker T should have won that. He yes. they should have capped that off with him. But that was when Triple H was at the height of the height of his powers in like you could say creative control in a way. But you mentioned DX. They were a part of one before the two-man DX, which that incident was when they all came out mocking the Nation of Domination. Yes. And, and to me, I'll say that I loved that skit personally. I thought it was hilarious, but the 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 blackface is what killed it for me. I get it. He was wearing the bodysuit and he was making fun of Mark Henry. But like if you take the racist aspect of it of them like of of X-Pac dressed that way, it's a funny skit. And that dude, Jason Sensation, portraying Owen Hart is like almost it's as spot on as Jay Lethal doing Ric Flair. It was it was brilliant. But it like the blackface just totally killed that skit for me. But overall, it is it is a funny skit. And in context, I get what's going on because there was like an undertone of a race war going on between DX, the nation. The Hart Foundation, Los Bariquas, DOA, like it was gang warfare. So, yeah. and, and it was the Attitude Era. So they were able to get away with more. Like if if it was to go on today, of course that would not fly in any promotion. But you know, like to me, it kind of does kill it for me. Like it 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 makes that skit a little less funny for me. Yeah, and it sucks because that skit was uh, fucking hilarious. Like Triple H killed that skit, and mm-hmm. so did um. Uh, Sean was playing uh, Shane, right? No, 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 no. We're talking about when they were making fun of the nation, where uh, Billy Gunn oh, yeah, was the yeah, Godfather yeah. and uh, well, Hunter was Bro- the Rock. He was the and, Rock. Uh, uh, X-Pac was Mark Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, the thing is with that. That's what I meant. Triple H was killing that skit, pretending to be the Rock. Mm-hmm. But that fucking whole like when I saw it, I didn't even really think about it because I was very young when I saw that shit with the Mizark Henry and the. Blackface, but then when you get older and you look at that, you like, uh, I'm like, I can't, I can't justify that fucking shit. I can't do it. That's like when Goldust was in blackface when he was wrestling, fucking bro, he had an afro or like, bro, he came out with a boombox. Like, what the fuck is going on, bro? That that's some sambo shit. Like, that's you, you get older and you see these things and you're like, well, goddamn, uh. This is a uh, this is some, yeah, some and black paint here. and the black paint they put on him. The black paint they put on him was just as black as the afro he put on. It was yeah. blacker. <laughs> like, yeah, it was just as black as the afro he had on. Yeah, that shit was Vanta black almost. <laughs> but yo, but the, I mean the WWE and that type of shit. It's like we're thinking about that quote unquote attitude era. The Mexicals. Like, do I have to go further than the Mexicals? Like, you had them coming down on the John Deere ride on mower. A fucking lawnmower, bro. No, no, no. It wasn't. A, <laughs> and I must correct you because I, and when it comes to funny racist stuff, for some reason, this is one of my brother's one things and one thing in pro wrestling that he he's like, it's so racist. I can't help but laugh at it. They're not John Deere's. They're Juan Deere's. Yeah. 
Juan, my bad, my bad. Like, That's right. The J, the J's are pronounced wise. My bad. <laughs> yeah, like, but but that just goes to the to go to show you like the racism there. It's like, damn. Yeah. Not only are they called the Mexicools, but they're coming out on lawnmowers. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> right, right. But then Can't again, you- keep. Keeping it can't just let WWE. super crazy go out there and have tremendous matches. Nah, we got to turn them. Oh into no, a no, fucking, no, no, underrated. Got to turn them into a fucking uh, a goddamn migrant worker, mm. right? And, and shit. Speaking of that, because I actually you spun me in a different direction when Bradshaw played a true Texan and was doing Border Patrol. Oh, he meant and that literally shit. kicking. Bradshaw meant that. If you if you go back if you go back and you watch um, ECW One Night Stand 2005, where he mm-hmm. does the whole thing where he's sitting in the rafters with the Raw and SmackDown crew and they're talking shit during the the matches or whatever. Rey Mysterio comes out for his match, and he's over here yelling and cussing at Rey Mysterio from the top of the rafters, and he's like going, "You make your money with us, and you know where you know blah 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 blah," and then he uh. The camera's in the ring, but you're still hearing Bradshaw and all that shit because his mic is on. And you hear him go, uh, you hear that? You make your money with us, you little Mexican. And I'm like, that, when I heard it even back then, I, it, it just rubbed me as, oh, wow, yeah, he means that shit. Like, he really means that shit. That's coming from the heart. That's like delicious racism like that's like that tasty racism like that's the homemade shit like i i just never liked him after that yeah he's done some great stuff in wrestling with farouk and and, and bradshaw and all that shit but i i can't fuck with jbl and but not it, after that but here's the crazy thing lou do you know that he is one of the most charitable professional wrestlers out there like aside from him being a pro wrestler his wife is like a fortune 500 like person or whatever this guy has built more schools, more libraries, more play- playgrounds in like poor countries than any professional wrestler and most humanitarians out wow. there. Like he is actually one of the most non-racist people out there. Yeah. It's it's just him portraying the character. And no, sure. I know, and I know really quick. I, I Dan, I hate to uh, jump in here, but when it comes to like my perspective on racism and pro wrestling, I always look at it like this: if the ending of the story shows you know whatever minority or whatever person down gets their win or gets their comeuppance on that negative person i'm all for it you know if done properly a la a kofi kingston that we saw a couple years ago you know when the outcome is something like that it's something that we could say all right i'm comfortable watching but when it's just racism to be racist that's when it kind of rubs me the wrong way when it's Triple H and Booker T, mm-hmm. and it went the wrong way, mm-hmm. and it went the wrong way. But yeah, like I didn't know all about that stuff about Bradshaw. And to be honest, he never gave me that vibe that he truly was that. Like oh, he, yeah. it, it looked like an act from him. You know, it really. And then too, <clears throat> to to not to just think that racism is just towards a black person thing, or just you know, it's a person of color thing, but. To know, it it never felt like him and Ron Simmons' relationship was, look at my African-American, look at my black mm-hmm. friend, like, you know, like, like a Trump type of situation. Like, it never, it's like, they felt like true brotherhood shit. 
You know, mm-hmm. now Glenn Jacobs, different story. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. We'll keep that there. But something I was watching earlier today. <clears throat> Greg the Hammer Valentine, you nasty black man, you. Going at JYD. And now forget the fact that, yeah, JYD, a.k.a. Stagger Lee and who proud black man. As I was watching a what culture video about a, about this situation earlier today, like you think back and yeah, the WWE did kind of stifle JYD as showing himself to be a huge proud black man. And, and yes, he was great with the kids in the WWE and all of that shit. But we're also thinking different era stuff. Nasty black man was just a shade away from saying nigga. You know what I'm saying? In a way. And, I mean, Lou, Greg the Hammer Valentine, I mean, I don't know if he is or isn't, but the man looked the part. And you, you <laughs> there, there almost was nobody else that really could have pulled it off the way he, as, and, and we know Greg the Hammer Valentine was one of the heels that let, that, that literally felt like he never held nothing back from, his tongue was never tied for anything, saying anything. But that you nasty black man and the way his his strong voice just like stamped it was like nigga. <laughs> like it literally it's like nigga. Like that's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, I've never I haven't seen that one. Uh I'm gonna have to look that shit up. But it's it's it reminds me of the uh Jim Neidhart one where he didn't say much. But he came out in the clan hood. Mm-hmm. He yeah. came out wearing a KKK that... hood with a bunch of other guys wearing KKK hoods. Like, why? Why would you do that? You would you call it pushing the boundaries or whatever in storytelling, but it's like, goddamn, dude, dude shit like that is just. I don't know if that's necessary. Now we're leaving out all the stuff like Jinder Mahal and. Uh, even Jinder Mahal had an issue. He had a uh, he had one with uh, I think it was Shinsuke. I, w- I was, was actually there for that. Yeah, he was feuding with Shinsuke, and uh, he started right, right, right here, right, speaking with the R's and the the long R's and all that shit. And it's just like I think they had to actually issue an apology for that shit. Mm-hmm. WWE did. I was actually there that night. That was the night of the uh, celebration when he had like the big Punjabi band come out and perform on uh, SmackDown. But yeah, I was there for that. And I'm and we're in the audience as he's saying that. We're all like, oh, oh, like we're hearing that. We're like, oh, that's fucked up. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was just awkward because it's like usually when people <laughs> think of racist moments in pro wrestling, it's not really, you know, it's more of like, you know, a Caucasian coming after an African American or going after a Latino or something like that. But to hear an Indian person make fun of an Asian person, it's like, ooh, whoa, that's that's out of left field. Like, I don't even know how to react. Like, am I supposed to laugh? Am I supposed to feel awkward? Like, because it's like, yo, we we ain't even in this conversation, but damn, I'm, I'm watching from a distance. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was just awkward, awkward as hell. Yeah, it was. It was, but... Not as awkward as the one that I mentioned last week, but the one that I always love to bring up. And that is when Rowdy Roddy Piper was going against Bad News Brown and did the half black face and Andre the Giant hid 
the solution to clean the black paint off of his face. And he had to take a flight back home, half black, half white. Now, once again, once again, Roddy Piper, one of the greatest heels, one of the greatest talkers we've ever seen in this sport, period. Did he ever give a racist kind of feel a vibe about him personally? This could have been it. But to be honest with you, Piper really kind of gave the vibe of the fuck everybody. Anybody can get it. So I never truly felt Rowdy was racist per se. You know what I'm saying? But he did say in interviews like, you know, like he grew up in an all white area of Canada to where, yeah, he didn't have much interaction with black people, but he never disrespected like that in a way. But we knew he was that guy to push boundaries. And to see that even then, it was like it was a huge holy shit moment. But to learn in later years that after story of Andre the Giant, who also, by the way, many people said they tried to say that he's racist because he threw a couple N-words around here and there. But then also after the fact, corrected the situations with Kamala. Like what one of the incidents was with Kamala and helped put Kamala over as like a, in an apology, in a you know, in a, almost in an apologetic way. Like I give people, I, I, again, black man, I don't think anybody technically should be saying it. Do I look at it as a, this is our word? Yeah, I do kind of look at it that way, but we all should kind of stop saying it, even though it's still in some ways regular everyday vernacular for some of us. But I don't hold everybody, like I'm not looking at an Andre the same way I'm looking at a Hogan. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a difference to me there because like you said, Brian, if the storyline corrects it at the end, then I get it. Now, backstage to front of the stage, Andre did what he did backstage, but corrected it by putting Kamala over. Mm-hmm. To me, that's still not right you said it, but it's like writing a wrong. And let's remember, too, Andre didn't let anybody body slam him. Mm-hmm. Kamala body slammed him. It was the first. No, he wasn't. There's actually videos on YouTube that show other Japanese wrestlers doing it before. Kamala. Well, I, I meant in Kamala. I meant in America, yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, everybody, but in America, everybody yeah. talks about the Hogan one. I yeah, I, I was yes. referring more to that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. But yeah, <laughs> like, but back to Piper. I, I I know I kind of segued off in the round, but I never felt the racist vibe from Piper ever, period, other than that 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 moment, which was again, Piper was a boundary pusher. Like Lou, you were you mentioned last week. He also did the coconut smash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely did that. Uh, yeah, I never got any kind of vibe from Rowdy Piper that he was a racist or anything like that. I never. I, I, I enjoyed his movies. I enjoyed his matches. I, I loved Rowdy Piper, man. He really is one of the, just the all time great. I, I never. That it's unfortunate, you know, that he had to do the half blackface shit. But you know, at the end of the day, they're they're not in charge of their own creative. So you know. 
whether they come up with these ideas or not. I don't know. But uh, there's one who, that I wanted to kind of bring up. And it was this is when I text you in our group chat earlier where I was starting to feel a little like uncomfortable with this topic. So I had never all these years I've been hearing about how Hulk Hogan went on some kind of tirade. And I never actually heard the audio uh, of him having the tirade. So I'm over here on YouTube searching and searching and searching. And all I could find was a podcast, I think, that he was on with. It sounded the other person he was talking to sounded familiar. It kind of sounded like Booker T, but I think it was somebody else where they're talking about how um, when the Booker T thing happened, people started calling him the N word like as like, hey, what's up, my N? And he started using it because he was like, well, they're calling me that. Like, why can't I like what's up them back or whatever? And, that, and that's the only thing I could find until I started searching on Google. Then I found the actual audio that they've been talking about all these years where he's talking with his, I guess, girlfriend or his new wife or whatever it is. And they're talking about his daughters dating a black guy, Mm -mm. blah, blah, blah. I I was listening to that and the audio on it is terrible. Like the audio quality is pretty terrible because it sounds like it's a cell phone conversation recorded on a cell phone, literally. It was a phone call. Yeah, it was like recorded on a phone from a phone is what it sounds like because it sounds terrible. was Was that the call with his son or the sex tape? He's talking to his, I, I don't think it's a, his new wife. I think it was his girlfriend at the time because he left Linda and he was with some girl that looked like his daughter, actually. Um, and I think he was talking to her and she was recording it or somebody was recording it. I don't know. Somebody I, was recording the show. I, I think I think you might have got a hold of the sex tape because that was when supposedly he was hooking up with um, his friend's wife. Like they were yeah. the swinger thing, swinger thing. And yeah, yeah. His, that's when the whole case started because he was like secretly recording their sessions. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and that's how the story actually broke out. So okay, I didn't know if it was I, yeah, that one I, or the phone call with his son too. Yeah. Cause the, what I was listening to was straight audio. There was no video to it. Hmm. And just, he says, again, like it's unfortunate because like, you know, Hulk Hogan was your childhood hero when you were growing up, at least for me, you know, him, ultimate warrior. Those were the guys that were like, those were the guys, you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, I mean, not for everybody, I get that, but you know, when I was a kid, kid, it was Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man. Those were the those were the men. Those were the guys. Um, and to hear him saying the shit that he said on there, it's just like it came so naturally that it was like, damn, Hulk. Like really? Now I can understand why all these guys like they don't they like they don't want to see this motherfucker. They don't want him there. They don't want him backstage. They don't want him around. And and I get it. Like I totally understand it. You know, we go through the we go through the comedy aspect of a lot of these things that have happened. And there are some situations where it's it's pretty fucking funny. But this is at the point where I started getting like, all right, I don't know if I could keep listening and reading all this shit. Like it was starting to bug me. Like I remember, I, I remember because I also heard it again today. Yeah, this is where he was like, "Yeah, I don't want my, I don't want my daughter dating no nigga unless it's like an eight foot tall black dude who's making millions of dollars playing basketball." Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is pretty much kind of what he's saying. And this yeah, wasn't. That was the, that and this was, this was Terry Bollea. Yeah, yeah, this is Terry Bollea speaking. This was this wasn't the behind the scenes in the in the ring Hulk Hogan even though it's yeah. the same person but that he lost he got cut from the WWE scrubbed from a whole bunch of shit at that time 
uh, LJN pulled, or, or who was a Hasbro, or was the toy company at the time, pulled all yeah, his toys. Like the dude, the dude got scrubbed from just about everything. And then for him to come back, Titus O'Neil was like, I mean, they tried. People didn't forget, <laughs> but they yeah. tried. He was booed. He was booed. He, they, yeah, oh, he definitely was. But then you mentioned the other name from the 80s that everybody loved, which I I I definitely I, I shook my head. I was not a Hogan guy back in the day. I did like the ultimate warrior. Now his name forever to me is the ultimate bigot. Because of his racist, homophobic, ultra right wing speech that he was giving at some benefit thing for some right wing organization. Yeah. And never he, never meet your heroes, kids. Yeah, the, like he was John Moxley. John Moxley, yeah, John Moxley does just, the modern day uh, Ultimate Warrior promos now. Yeah, I mean, for me, I look at it like this, and I use this reference a lot when it comes to pro wrestling. When you look at Leonardo DiCaprio, right, the actor, do you think he's a racist human being, based on what you've seen? Probably not. No. But but when you see him in a movie like Django Unchained, where he's the master. And he's calling everybody under the sun, nigga, 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 nigga. I'm sorry for dropping it so many times. But you get what I'm saying. He's utilizing the word. In the context of the movie, I can hate him. But when it comes to real life, I know that's not the guy that was portrayed in that movie. And it's the same thing when it comes to pro wrestling. It's like, I can accept, like I was saying before, somewhat of a race-based angle if, like I said, it gets played out properly with the person coming up at the end, getting their comeuppance. But when we get to the real life people, it, it, it draws that line for me because I was a Hulk Hogan kid growing up. I had the old Hulk Hogan VHS tape where it was uh, red and yellow and the little yellow flap at the top, watching all the WrestleMania matches from him and Andre, him and Savage, him and Psycho Sid, uh, him and uh, Sergeant Slaughter, getting all those things. I was a huge Hulkamaniac growing up. I loved the dude. Love the NWO. Our show was literally based off the damn name of the group. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had so much love for this dude. And then when I when I heard that audio, it's like, you just ruined my fucking childhood. Like, my childhood is like, I've lost all respect for you. And same thing goes with Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior was, we all knew he was out there based on the character. But then we started to see the lines blurring when the guy legally changes his name to Warrior Warrior. It's like, oh, okay, that dude's a little nutty. And then we're here, like, he disappears for all these years, and everyone's thinking he's dead, but then he's alive again. And then he's reappearing in Europe and Germany and all these places, and he starts becoming a motivational speaker, and he's just, like, calling people the F word, like, in, in gay terms, and he's just cursing them out and saying they should be damned to hell. Then he's doing shoot interviews, and he's just talking all the shit in the world. It's like, damn! Like, I used to like this guy. Like, that's how I feel. Like, don't get like, and don't get it twisted. I'm also a diehard fan of New Jack. You know what I'm saying? But New Jack kept it real. And like you were saying with the whole Greg the Hammer Valentine thing, fuck everybody. Like that's that was his opinion. But as much as he was, you know, shouting out OJ on Smoky Mountain, he's chilling with Honky Talk Man and Iron Sheik doing blow, doing shoot interviews. You know what I'm saying? Like. I can at least accept that part of it because you're keeping it real. But when you, that that was a great one too. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, did you ever see the one with him and Balls Mahoney when they did the face off? If you've never seen that one, boy, uh, trust me, it's worth a watch. <laughs> right. 
But um, but no, but like overall, in context, I can understand racism being portrayed and shown on television as if it's part of any other thing. But when it gets to that real life and it crosses that line, for me, that's when it's like, all right, now I'm done with you. Like on the show, we won't call him Hulk. We'll call him Terry. We acknowledge him as Terry because Hulk Hogan never did that shit. Terry said that shit. Yeah, I I I, I get that. But like when it comes out in the personal, though, that's where it's different for me because when mm-hmm. it comes out in the personal, now your character's attached. Yep. And like I said, most of these people, most of the people we mentioned, like I said, the Andre thing I kind of just learned about today, mm-hmm. where that wrong was righted in the ring, though it happened behind the scenes. That wrong was righted in the ring. I mean, he even did it to allegedly did it to Bad News Brown, but Bad News yeah. Brown was legitimate ass kicker, and they said he was ready to stop the bus to whoop that man's ass. But then Andre later corrected himself, apologized, and did all that stuff. Yeah, I, I'm sure Andre probably tried to think he could get away with it because he was the biggest man in the world, uh, you know, largest whatever yada yada. He carried a certain level of respect behind the scenes and all that stuff, but. In those times, you didn't fuck with black men like that because it would shut everything down and would step to you and fuck you up if need be. And that's why I took some solace in knowing Andre at least went back, fixed, and apologized. But somebody like a Hogan, yeah, he apologized because he got caught. Mm -hmm. And he apologized to the masses because he got caught by the masses. You know, these the Andre situations were happening direct people, not just thrown out there like on some, you know, wide scale thing. Like, no, they got fixed with those people. The the ultimate bigot. It was a wide scale thing. This was a fuck all of these types of people. And that's it. No, fuck you. Fuck you. You know, and then the last name, and we'll be done because we've been going for a minute. Is everybody and their mama has always said something about Michael P.S. Hayes? This is the man who <laughs> did a did a photo shoot wearing a Confederate flag, butt naked, probably butt naked underneath. The fucking Freebirds gear always had Confederate flags all over it, and we know what the Confederate Confederate flag represents. It represents losers, first and foremost. Yep. And racism. And slavery. And all the bad connotations that come behind it. But everybody says that that Hayes behind the scenes was that it was that nigga dropping white dude that he just did it freely like it was all good. Oh no, I was gonna say I, I've heard a ton of stories about Michael P. S. Hayes that- in the back. Like the the situation that happened with Karma when she was there, mm-hmm. and you know what I'm saying like he told her to suck his big black dick at one point, and then she flipped it around and told him to suck her big black dick. I've heard the story about when he told Mark what? Henry, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was a true thing. It was a true thing. Mind you, she was only there for a month, but this this shit went down. Like he was telling Mark Henry, "I'm blacker than you are" at some points and stuff like that, and Mark Henry yep. had to check him. <laughs> like th- there's so much shit about P.S. Hayes that's gone on. But P.S. Hayes, to me, like, I feel like he was that old school guy who was down in the Southern Territories where, you know, that term was thrown out a lot. Mm-hmm. And, like, it felt like it was a comfortable thing. And people got to remember, back in, like, the late 70s and early 80s, 
there weren't a lot of black people in a territory. There was probably one, maybe two at most. Like people still forget about what happened with um, Rocky Johnson and uh, Tony Atlas. Like they were the tag team champions, but they were never together. They were always on separate cards. They were on two different shows, yeah. but they were your tag team champions at one point. You know what I'm True. saying? Like, so PSA is coming from like the Texas territory and the South territories. That word was probably very comfortable for him to use during that period. Not with the black folk, but it was one of those words that was thrown around a lot. And he was one of those guys, and we can tell by his fashion, doesn't change with the times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so to me, it was like PSAs was always that guy. It's like, I hear so much that I shouldn't like him. But at the same time, what I see on screen, like, I, I can't hate on the guy, aside from the Confederate flag thing when he was down doing uh, the Street gimmick. But what I've seen of him growing up, it was always like, you know, he was just a he was a decent wrestler who was tried to be a singer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but still. Yeah, but but still, but all the behind the scenes shit, like with a person like that, like I I don't look yeah. at him no no crazy way. I understand it. it. Like you said, I understand where he came from. It it doesn't make it okay. It still yeah, don't make it okay because again, the, that what you kind of described is it's separating the performer from the person in this case. Like I said, the difference between you can't really do that with a whole and an ultimate bigot. If you do that with him. I, it it might be an error thing, like you said. It might be where you grew up thing. To me, nah, not really. You know, you mentioned in Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas, and it made me think of New Jack and Mustafa and the gangsters in Smoky Mountain, having to get escorted mm-hmm. out by police. And this is mid nineties, early mid nineties, having yeah. to get escorted out by police, legitimate death threats. Back in the day, were legitimate. You mentioned one or two. You know, like there literally only was one, maybe two, mm-hmm. in all the territories in the South, and they all got passed around because people wanted to see them. People did want to mm-hmm. see them, and they wanted to try to diversify. But the areas, the eras, and let's just be thankful we are we're we're not really in that era really anymore. It happens on Twitter. It happens in all of these different places. Like, for instance, uh, what's her name? Havoc. That I that I uh, I I've seen. They this uh this list on YouTube named her as the most racist wrestler out there, and she had tweets really? like, yeah, she was she um she was tagging. I forgot who was talking about. I hate I hate niggas. Uh, she said um. Damn. She was uh she said, Oh, is it somebody somebody made a tweet saying our truth is the best thing WWE has today? He really should win the title, but they won't do it. It's a shame since this character could be main event. And she re uh retweets this person and says, I, I bet he likes watermelon. Wow. He needs to slap that nigga in the face. I don't know who she was talking about then, but yeah, this chick Havoc went went in, got caught, apologized, but to my knowledge, according to the said video, she really hasn't been seen since. So, but no, I know who that yeah. is. That's that's like, actually Jessica Havoc. Right. Yeah, that's Jessica Havoc, which yeah, which to Jessica me is Havoc. insane. 
yeah, to me it's insane because she's uh, with Sammy Callahan. And Sammy Callahan is, like, one of those dudes who loves black people. Like, when it comes to his promotion or whatever, like, him and Rich Swan really are best friends. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, to me, that's always so awkward to see that. Right. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So, who knows? Maybe she's going to finalize training. <laughs> to quarterize this segment, I I would like to throw in one that is kind of like a, it is kind of like a racist moment, but it's not. It's just kind of like a kind of got thrown on his head, and it involves uh, one of my favorites. So uh, there was a a time when Shinsuke was feuding with AJ Styles, and AJ was getting kicked in the nuts by Shinsuke like it seemed like every week. And <laughs> Renee Young kept trying to interview Shinsuke to find out what the hell was happening because this heel turn just came out of nowhere. So she's standing at his at his dressing room door and he walks out and he sees her and he's like, oh, fuck, Renee's here. So she's like, Shinsuke, please, you've been ducking me, you know. She starts asking him, she's like, why did you, why did you do what you did to AJ Styles? And he goes, well, you know, Maybe I got a little too emotional. I'm very, very sorry for what I did to AJ Styles. And he kind of winks. And then she looks away like, come on, Shinsuke. Like, this is bullshit. You know, like, can you just give me, like, a real answer here? Like, why did you do this to AJ? And Shinsuke stops. He pauses for a second. He looks up at the sky. Then he looks down. He looks at her, and he's about to say something. And then he kind of looks back, and he's like, you know what? And then he just leans into her, and he goes, Sorry. No speak English. And he walks <laughs> off. That is the funniest <laughs> fucking thing I had ever seen at that time. That shit made I spit I spit my drink out so far when he did that. Because that shit came out of nowhere, bro. Nowhere. And of course, in typical WWE fashion, they see that it got a reaction. So they tried to do it again and again, but it was never as good as the first time he sprung that shit out. That was the funniest thing I had ever seen at the time. It was reverse racism. Well, like you said, good yeah. way to close it because I, I could never even see that as racist. Yeah. Because that was here, throw it back in your face. But that that's a yeah, great way to close it, Lou. <laughs> great way to close it out. Brian, we're done. You know what to do. All right. Uh, you can catch me on the UWO podcast. Uh, every Monday night we are live. Uh, the audio from last night's show will be going up in probably a few minutes. Um, and the UWO podcast on YouTube will be beginning soon. I'm now able to get all of our old episodes downloaded. And I'm going to try to make 30-minute versions of the show because you guys know we do go on for a long period of time. We'll try to make like a small little version of the show, throw it out there. Uh, there might be some UWO TikToks coming out now, now, now that I have access to the video. And uh, thank you again. Love the conversation. Always do. Yes, sir. Lou? Oh, man, you know me, Lou from the BX, uh, host of the Everything Podcast, on my usual bullshit, trying to get myself back on track. Uh, new content will be coming soon, I promise y'all. Just keep an eye out for me. Uh, the EverythingPodcast.com. You can check me out there. The Everything Podcast Instagram page has my link tree. You can click on that and just get links into everything. Thank you, Brian, for coming by. We always love having you on the show. Uh, and uh, thank you, Dan, for taking the reins of this until our boy Nick gets back from his extended vacation. Uh, you know, we do what we do.
Yes, sir. And we need y'all to do what y'all do and go follow Wrestling is Trash on all platforms. Wrestling be trash on Twitter. Uh, follow me. The Star 5 Podcast is Google the Star 5 Podcast. You'll be able to find everything there, especially on TikTok. My link, our link tree is on the TikTok. Um, it's fuck Facebook because I'm off of Facebook right now because of bullshit. Instagram is all the same bullshit. I just had some videos allegedly muted in certain countries from 2017. Meta. Stop the bullshit. But don't stop the bullshit with this show because we ain't doing all that stuff here, which is nothing crazy happened. We ain't doing enough for y'all to shut us down. So please go follow Wrestling is Trash everywhere. The Star 5 Podcast. Google us. Google UWO. Google everything podcast and yeah that's it we'll see y'all bitches next week that was great